This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, the gang talks all about the post and more. Get your copy today. Get it. Run it. Good. Extra, extra. <laughs> Wait a minute. I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Hello! Hi! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. who covers the various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 313, 313. 313, Palindrome City, baby. First Palindrome of 2018. I... yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's But... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, we're in a club? <laughs> <laughs> That's that new soundboard I didn't pay for. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, no, I got you. That's all free, royalty-free, yeah. It's all royalty-free. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, this week for episode 313, we're talking The Post, the latest from director Steven Spielberg. And joining us tonight to talk The Post, we have, sitting right next to me, she has the exclusive, and she's going to run it. It's Anna Bosch. Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> I guess I'm on the show. <laughs> You're always on the show. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us from a sleepy town in North Carolina, he's here for the funny papers. It's Alan Aguilera. Hello, everyone. How y'all doing? Wait, are Very you good. a big fan of Silike Fox? I'm sorry? Silike Fox, the, uh, the detective fox uh, in the funny pages? Not, no. Wow, that really went right over my head. I, so <laughs> I was like, you could have said Foxtrot, you could have said so many other things, but you went over that one. That was a- <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I'm just curious. Funny papers, that's what I immediately think about. You know, that guy's got a dope 70s suit. well alan good to have you here happy new year thank you gentlemen happy new year to everyone and young lady i don't have my blow horn this time though i'm sorry wait but aaron has a soundboard (laughs) (laughs) we'll get back to all the sounds and other fun Uh, we also have a special guest coming later in the show uh but yeah for now um, let me uh, let's let's get to it, guys. It is um, our first official. Like we had our big top ten episode last week, which is a lot of fun. We did. Alan was featured on that with the uh, the write in, and we I had a special it. vocal cameo from his Anna Bosch right here. What? Really? Yes. <laughs> how, wait. How did you did you not think that we would use your recorded material? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, Alan. Speaking of your top ten, when I first saw Three Billboards, I texted you specifically saying you're going to love this movie, and it wound up on your top ten list. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have a very, you have the finger on the pulse of what I would like and what I wouldn't like. So <laughs> I was like, Aaron says anyone like this. I don't know how you feel. Oh, yeah, he's 100% right. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't think you'll use it because I told Aaron, because, okay, we recorded it fine, and he had, like, pressure on me to do, like, I did not. I did not have pressure. Pressure. On you. <laughs> if you wanted to do it. Like, on, and babe. I helped out as much as I could. Yeah, you did. But he's like, come on, babe. Like, are you going to do your top 10? Are you going to do your top 10? And I was like, no, I don't think I have enough movies. And then we recorded it, and I told him it was okay if he didn't use it because there's Cars 3 in one of my slots there in 10, mm-hmm. right? Top 10. And I just, Which is a good movie. We like it on this podcast. Yeah, we liked it. I was just like, is that worthy enough to be on like my top 10? It's, like, it's, it's, it's a personal choice. Yes. And like, sure, if it was something like a little bit longer, I'd probably make it somewhere. So I, it was more of a throwing because I didn't see like Phantom Thread and other films that Aaron has still that we were gonna go watch. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just threw that one in there, and not in a bad way. I don't want anyone to take it in a bad way. I just so that's why I, I didn't think he would use it. I haven't listened to it yet that show, but mm. well, <laughs> well, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. You sounded fine. 
You and, can adjust yeah. the top ten list in the future. Like, Abe famously moved his number one aside once he saw Zero Dark Thirty. And he's like, oh, he yeah. has a whole... That, that was the best movie of the year, 2013. <laughs> oh, I rewatched that. That movie's great. That movie yeah. is great. People are like, oh, it's so boring. Good. It's like, no, it's what, not boring. There's saying, so many things going on. What I'm saying, though, is you had a top ten list, and then you saw that movie, and you're like, you know what? This is now my top ten list. Uh, so yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. You can adjust your top ten list. By the way, uh, we also had a question during the episode of, you know, caveating that we haven't seen some certain select movies. So, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's subject to change. Of course. I think I sent that to, I think I, when I sent mine in to Aaron, it's yeah. like, hey, I still haven't seen like six of the movies. Yeah. But, you know. All right. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got all that out of the way. <laughs> For anyone questioning these top ten lists, which they shouldn't because they should just make their own list and not judge anybody else. Unless you have Bright on there, and I'll judge you very harshly. But if you have Bright on there, you should talk to us. You know, we'll we'll talk you down from the cliff there. Let's, you know, I started watching Bright on the plane, and I got like three Abe. minutes in, and I stopped. Yep, 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 that's exactly what I did. That's exactly Abe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was like, no, I'm good. After I'm he had the interaction with the uh, the neighbors, and then he got you know picked up by his cop buddy. I was just like, okay, well, this movie is not something I'm going to finish right now. Did not even get, didn't even get that far. He woke up from the dream. I was like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to some show notes stuff real quick. Uh, first up, <laughs> um, it is a new month, which means a new commentary track is coming. And as I explained on a previous podcast episode, the idea for the first three months of this year is that t- ten, uh, 10 years ago, 20 years, sorry, 20 years ago, uh, Titanic was just destroying the box office, and there are lots of films that got caught in its wake that did not, you know, make much money, bombed, or didn't, you know, didn't do much business at all. So the idea is that we're going to do three films in January, February, and March that all failed to dethrone Titanic from the box office, uh, from the number one slot. And so the first commentary for January is going to be Deep Rising, the Stephen Summers monster cruise movie. <laughs> which because is, that movie was going to not. It could have. It could have been number one. We don't. We'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, well, there's another movie that we already did a commentary for that's mm, also okay. it came out that same weekend, which is Fallen with Denzel Washington. Um, yeah. So we're gonna do Deep Rising, which is a fun movie. I rewatched it recently just so I could you know be up to date on it. It's it's certainly a movie. So if you want to prepare for that one, Deep Rising is the next commentary track coming your way. Treat Williams. So in April, are you gonna do the movie that took it from its number one yes. spot? Exactly. That is exactly. Oh, it's very it's goodness. very cleverly plotted. Yeah. Oh. My my toes are curling up. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, watch out up, iTunes is good to get those. Helps out the show. Helps other people find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can do just that. You can find our show. You can give us a five-star review. That'd be great. Or that any would kind be of great. Stuff. Thank you so much. Or, have, you, you know, whatever your heart desires. Yeah. Have you ever received a one-star? I don't think so. We have one that's not a five-star. I know that. Yeah, but I, like don't, I don't think we've had a one-star review. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, because our Son show is amazing. Like we, I know it is, but you never know. Someone could be out there and be like, you know. I'd also like to add that it's a free show. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we've, we're basically giving out like 12 hours of content a week for free. Yeah, you could be like paying for Hulu or you yeah. could listen to our podcast. Yeah, no commercials, just free podcasting. Yeah, no ads. Uh. But speaking of which, if someone wanted to – Advertise. Where can they get in touch with you? Out of podcast at gmail.com. Out of podcast at gmail.com. We love to get ads. Ads are wonderful. They'd be great to have on the show. Oh, yeah. I love Coca Cola. 
the email is at gmail.com or at right our Facebook Facebook.com slash on podcast. Yeah, we we will you Reebok right away. We will put <laughs> this, on. We'll what you can't video. see is like Aaron and I are doing a Wayne's World thing right now where we're just eating Dominoes and like wearing Reeboks. We're wearing Reebok. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never sell out, man. <laughs> uh, let me bring up something else for show notes as we're getting through show here. Notes, show notes. Uh, show notes. So, as I think I mentioned on the show before, I'm now part of the Los Angeles Online Film Critics what? Society. So, this past week, the, the society had their inaugural award show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, they voted on a number of you know awards for all the movies from last year and whatnot. And they had their first award show celebrating said event. So, there are a number of critics and celebrities all at this fancy venue, which Anna and I were happy enough to attend. We got dressed up all fancy-like, and I was able to uh, stand up on stage in front of... A bunch of people, including Gary Oldman and Guillermo del Toro and the cast of The Shape of Water and Wait, Jordan so you're, you're saying You're saying that everyone was there? There was a lot of people there. It was, it was a big That's turnout. a Gary Oldman joke for everyone. I Everyone, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was, I was there too, and I had to present uh, the award for best stunt work to nice. uh, Baby Driver. Baby Driver won that category. Baby Driver won three. It won act, best like action, best... Um, um, stunts and what was the other thing that it wanted for? Soundtrack. Editing. Sorry, editing. Mm-hmm. editing. Um, and so I did my little presentation I wrote out, and then Edgar, and I presented an award to Edgar Wright. So I thought nice. that was a, a pretty neat thing to do. You know, you <laughs> talk about one of your favorite movies of last year, and then present an award to your favorite film. I, one of your I favorite believe movies. that you actually have a photo with Edgar Wright. I do. On and I, on and I have a bunch of pictures of a lot of people. Yeah. We met Doug Jones, which I like keep pointing out because he's a really nice person. Mm-hmm. And Stooley. Michael Stuhlbarg. Oh, Michael Stuhlbarg. Michael Stuhlbarg. Yeah. Yes. Michael Stuhlbarg yeah. is. Yeah. But no, it was it was a fun night. A lot of a lot of cool things. Um, and yeah. So let's uh keep moving now. Let's get to let's get to some know everybody. We each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast. We better get to know no everybody. No everybody. Wasn't bad. Pretty good. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that one. That one's okay. Hey, why don't you start this one off? Got a question for you guys. Is Tom Hanks a national treasure, or has he moved beyond that, or is he below that? He's a global icon. He's okay. a global, yeah. I, mean, he's, I, I would say, regardless of kind of box office strength, when you compare it to someone like Tom Cruise or Will Smith, I would uh-huh. say Tom Hanks is arguably one of the more most respected actors currently working right now. I, 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 I don't I, disagree. Regardless of people that turn out to see, and that said, it's not like Tom Hanks is making bombs, give or take some of those recent ones though, from those David Eggers movies that get like no advertising anyway. But like, you know, Larry when he's Crown, making these, Larry Crown, Larry Crown, <laughs> that's a few years ago at that point. But again, that's like that's that's different than like Spielberg joints or you know someone like Saving Mr. Banks or what have you. Like when Tom Hanks isn't in a movie, you're generally people pay you're generally people pay generally, yeah. Yeah, it has your attention. You generally know what to what to expect when you're getting a Tom Hanks movie. You get something that's, you know, professional or what have you. Like, I think it, uh, it, uh, it you know, yes, Abe, I, I do think he could consider him a national treasure. A national treasure I think he's yes. a national treasure. Yeah. I, I like that movie. I, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, curious, <laughs> I'd be curious who doesn't consider Tom Hanks a national treasure to some degree. <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm cracking myself up over here. Yeah, it's a good, good one. It's a good flick. Yeah, As yeah. my mom just said, it's a, he's a Hollywood favorite. Spoilers for our special guest coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I I have a question for you guys. Yeah. What's your question? My question is: Have you guys have you ever been big newspaper readers? Yes. All the time. I'm yeah. a current subscriber to the New York Times yeah. for their Sunday paper. Uh huh. That I don't read, but 
but you're contributing. I, I, I contribute. Exactly. That crossword is legit. Yeah. We used to get the paper all the time every Sunday morning, and we'd have to read it. So big fans of newspapers. And also, yeah. I just like the tactile sense of turning pages. Anna? I agree with what Abe just said, because, like, nowadays it's gone, like, online a lot, right? And, of course, everyone's just kind of strolling with their thumb. But there's this thing about, like, even with a book, instead of having a Kindle, like, opening pages. But I used to love reading the entertainment section, sports section, the food and culture section. And then I would go into the comics, of course, because I really enjoy reading Peanuts (laughs) and (laughs) Mutt. So those are the way two comics that would get in the newspaper as well. Other special guests? It's me, and I enjoy the paper. I love the Sunday paper. My best paper is the San Francisco Chronicle. I used to sit on the floor and spread it all out around me. The pink pages was the very most favorite. Then entertainment, then fashion and style, then travel. They have the best colored pictures. It's beautiful. And Aaron probably doesn't remember, but between the ages of five and eight, when I'd take him to school, I'd have him read me things out of the newspaper on the way to school. Horoscope just to practice his reading and his words. Hmm. So interesting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, also- I, I wonder who the special guest is going to be. <laughs> if you if you didn't notice, I, I went I went woo with the microphone as I said that. Um, we got sound effects on the show and a soundboard too. Why, why didn't you tell me these things? Uh, we're a real John Goodman and matinee on this one, guys. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, I have a question. It's coming to Blu-ray this week. Um, Alan has I, a question. I do. I haven't answered the question either. <laughs> I know. I was, I was going to say, I've never been a avid newspaper reader. That's it. I do enjoy the calendar section in the Los Angeles Times for obvious reasons. It's all about movies and stuff. Specifically around this time of year, they have this thing called The Envelope, which is like a special whole section devoted to award season. So I do actually read those interviews and the prognosticators and what have you. I find that to be fair, you know, interesting enough. When I and lived in L.A., I did read that a lot, yeah. Your mom brought up the Sunday, like having the paper on a Sunday was, was awesome because they had coupons. Y- yes. That's true. Coupons they are great. <laughs> you know, you mentioned um, the San Francisco. <laughs> uh, that there's an interesting segue there. RIP to Detective Tashi, the police officer that was involved in the Zodiac case way back in the day. Mm. Oh he's, yes. He was played by Mark Ruffalo in the film Zodiac. He was also the inspiration for Dirty Harry and Bullet, among others. Um, and he recently passed away. A very you know legendary police officer. So. Rest in peace. RIP. <laughs> Uh, see knowledge on this part. You know, it's not just Boom. jokes about soundboards <laughs> and stuff. I, I, there's some other things going on here. All right, Alan, did you have a question? Yeah, this was more pertaining to Spielberg. Now, with his current line of maybe the last ten years, are you more excited for his historical type drama films or his big budget pictures? I have no separation, honestly. I, really? If, he's gonna, if, if Spielberg wants to teach me some history by way of his expert filmmaking, I'm happy to do that. If he wants to say, hey, guys, I've been watching these superhero movies and I have my own take on it, so here's Ready Player One, I'm also happy for that. I have no <laughs> – if Steven Spielberg's making a movie, I'm going to be there regardless Weird. of what the topic is. Same thing. Well, I was just more gauging interest because my interest for The Post, for example, was off the charts compared to Ready Player One where it's minimal for me. Hmm. I really have yeah. no – you know, I'm excited he's making a movie, but we're going to get to see it regardless. But the post was like, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Anna, did you I feel the same either way because, like, I love historical or, like, war-type films. And then if he turns around and does, like, how you brought up Ready Player One, I'd be fun going to see that as well. Yeah, I, I mean, 
like I said, Alan, I mean, it's it's Steven Spielberg. I Word. understand that he has a share of people that don't care for him. I just find it to be nonsense. <laughs> I could say there are certain things that he does in his movies that I would wish he would grow out of or whatnot, including the use of Janice Kaminsky for his cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't take away from just the what seems like effortless craft he's able to do in all of his movies. So it's just so easy for him. It's, it makes me so, well, it's like, we're going to talk about the post. He yeah, made that movie yeah. in seven months. I mean, it's like, God got, bless he, got, him. he got like, he got two of the biggest movie stars in the world, a cast of a bunch of other people. And it's like, I'm just going to do this. Cause I saw a screenplay and I liked it. So why not? <laughs> like, and then ready player one's coming out. Yeah. In the middle of making ready player one. <laughs> like it's, it's, you know. wasn't he like, eh, post, I don't need to be here for this. Right. <laughs> I can go make this little thing really quick. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that's how you play. No, no everybody. No, everybody. That, was, that was excellent. It wasn't bad. That was an excellent one. Ready. Let's move on. Let's get down to quickies. Tim. Tim. Each week now that we will move, we talk about quickies. Tim. Tim. Pretty good. Pretty good. Good on, good on all of us. All the TMs, we're, everything. We're, I know. We're on it. We have a special out now quickies this week. Tim. As I may have already, <laughs> as I may have already alluded to, there is another special guest here. Um, it is my mother, Miss Denise Denmark. Hey, hi. Hi. Um, we hi. are Anna and I are in Las Vegas this weekend visiting with my mother, and the three of us all saw The Commuter yesterday. This is the new Liam Neeson film with director Yom Kalet Sarah, who's previously directed such films with Liam Neeson as Unknown, Nonstop, and Run All Night. So this is it's beyond just a trilogy now. Neeson's this has overtaken the Taken trilogy. It's become it's like ne- the the Neeson Colette Sarah Hitchcock series. It seems. Um, so yeah, that's just what the commuter is. The commuter is a film that places ne- Liam Neeson as a an ex cop who has recently lost his job um, after ten years working in insurance or what was it? No, it was, uh, insurance. Was it he was insurance? an ex cop and yeah, he was selling. He started selling life insurance. Yeah, he's selling life insurance for the for the benefit of his family. He's let go. He's a commuter. He goes to New York every day on a train. And this day where he's been let go of his job, he gets put into the position by Vera Farmiga's character. He plays a mysterious person who offers him the chance to make a lot of money were he to just identify somebody on this train. Hmm. Um, there's obviously some nefarious things that could be going on by doing such an act, but it leads to a whole movie devoted to Liam Neeson's skulking about this train, giving people the side eye while determining what to do in the situation. And things become deadlier as they go on. So... We saw this movie. <laughs> yes, I love it. Anna, what did you think of The Commuter? So, I enjoyed it. I think it's okay. Definitely, it's like one, you don't have to rush to the theater to go see it. I told Aaron, like, of course, like the storyline is very formulaic, right? And I feel like there's times, like, he already kind of brought up the story of, like, you have this guy who's now out of a job and he needs money because his son's also going to college and he has two mortgages to pay off too. He has two all mortgages. So yeah, he, how many houses he, does this guy have? <laughs> <laughs> so like with that cop salary, yeah, but that like that background, it's like I don't know if it was enough to push him so quickly to wanting to go about this like detectiveness now of like trying to find this person on the train and a risk your family's life and the rest of someone else's life. So I don't know if that just kind of got motivated too quickly, but there are some like interesting cuts in the movie. Like in the very beginning, there's a lot of cross cutting of his daily routine of his wife. The opening's pretty cool. I like yeah, the I opening like the where opening. it shows, it basically shows what a commuter is. Yes. And it's him like every day and you see like him with different suits on and it's busy some days, not busy. 
he's talking to different passengers and then his conversation with his son with the book they, they read every month and then he's friends mind. with Mike from Breaking Bad who's on the train all the time okay, too okay alright oh, <laughs> this is how I get people excited oh Mike from Breaking Bad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, alright <laughs> recently Mudbound playing a really mean dad yes <laughs> Really mean that, yeah, that's the lightest way to put that character. Yeah, without ruining anything, yeah. So I will give the opening, like, that's that was a big plus. I really like that. And then, like, the choreography was interesting because it kind of resembles martial arts, hmm? the fight. Ooh. Like, they're kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, <laughs> it's like, it's kind of ridiculous, right? It's like. I know what you said, you know, they're like, the, like, Alan, do you remember watching nonstop with me? Where it has that one shot where like the like the plane's gravity goes and like the the gun flies in the air and he has to catch the gun and shoot the guy right? How can I forget? You mean the best scene in the movie? Moments in cinema. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Come on. So there's stuff like that where he's like he's beating this guy with like the electric guitar. Oh yeah. And like the glass. Where did he get an electric guitar? Like, Spoilers, Dave. Come on. It's like a big oneer where he's fighting. There's like a bag, and he opens the bag, and there's a guitar in it, and there's like all this kind of stuff. Makes perfect sense oh, to this me. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going back and forth, and then there's another scene where he's like, he gets the fire axe that's on the train and starts swishing that around choreography. So, hmm. like those are those are okay scenes, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely like he's looking for this commuter that's. Basically, it becomes like a detective story, and he's trying to eliminate the passengers, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So, I mean, it was—it's decent, it's fine, it's a good story. But again, like I think I'm thinking of it probably just went too quickly because it's like, what would you guys do? Like, if you're on the train, someone approaches you and gives you this whole scenario that there's money, would you do it? Because it's like a moral standing. Like, would you do this? Yes, mom. <laughs> what did you think? Well. I brought up that question last yesterday, actually, about um, what would you do if you were on the train and someone came up to you? Because, you know, people are cagey and, and you just never know. You know, I have a tendency to think most men think she would be flirting or women would be more standoffish. I don't know. So in that respect, she's exactly right. But I looked at it more as if I were the one that said, yes, I would do it. And then it took it from there. And a lot of the fight scenes, I mean, he's a 60-year-old man. <laughs> And they have him fighting like he's 25. I'm like, really? Yeah. Okay, you're, you're <laughs> to, to be fair, like, the fighting he does, it's a lot of him, like, standing there taking punches, and then he fights back. Like, he's, like, beat up. But he's a 60-year-old. And, and granted, he's an ex-cop, so I give him that. You know, maybe he's got his cop thing going on, whatever. But I don't know. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Maybe it isn't something you want to run out and see. Absolutely, but it is. It's not. It, it's. It's to me. It's. It's getting where um, Indiana Jones movies. Indiana Jones yes. movies. He's getting older, so <laughs> the, the storylines are, are going with his age. They're age appropriate. Except for like I said, I thought some of the fighting was a little whatever. Yeah, so I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. When you said Indiana Jones, I thought you were going to go towards like stunt work because you know he's also in that moment where he's underneath the train. Mm-hmm. And it kind of oh, resembles yeah. like. And that's not him. <laughs> <laughs> that as movie people we know that i would like i like the movie i would say it's probably the second best in the yom colette sarah neeson films like i think unknown's the worst one non-stop's easily the best because it's not what about non-stop <laughs> because we saw that together so obviously it's, best it plays, nice... it's, it's, it's the most fun because he's on the he's on the plane and he has to get the guy 
but uh but no that and and uh, what was the run all night i think was okay so i mean I, but i look forward to seeing if they're gonna keep doing i'd rather see more of these movies where it's it's less neeson being the taken brian mills that that's the, the weirdest brian name mills. brian mills of taken i'd rather see him in these modes where he's like He's he's um, Colette Sarah's Jimmy Stewart essentially in these in these kind of Hitchcock yeah. thrillers that he's making. Yeah. He's like every man that isn't necessarily tasked with like or it doesn't necessarily have special powers. He's just like a reasonably smart person. In this case, he's an ex-cop, so yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, that's absolutely that's who he was. That's exactly who he was. I, I'm a Liam, you know I'm a Liam Neeson fan actually, so I kind of like him. I mean, most people that's why people this is successful for him. These kind of action movies he's been doing in his yeah. older age. But, uh, I enjoyed it as well, too, because I take the train a lot, so it made me think a lot. Because there's people that get on the train, and you're like, what are they just... They do, like this woman, she literally just comes out of nowhere, sits next to him, and ends up having a conversation with him. And people, like, tend to do that on the train. And there's a lot of people where I see them where they, like, shut them off, like, um, I'm busy, like, I'm listening to music <laughs> or something, you know? And then there's other people, like myself, I tend to see, I have, like, a tendency of, like, fine, just sit down, what do you want to say? Like, say it quickly, and then be done. So, like, it's interesting where it's, like, maybe one of those days, like, someone could approach you like that, and, like, it is a whirlwind of, like, what do you do? I, I have one more thing, and this is totally a girl thing, and I know that, and we've, we've got three men listening, but it's okay. They focused a lot on her shoes, this particular woman. They, fo- <laughs> they focused a lot on her shoes in the beginning, and it was it, it just it was so weird to me because when they finally showed her whole person, her shoes totally did not match her outfit. <laughs> Did not match her dress. They did not match her purse. And I, could, I, and I, I just ponder on why did they focus on her shoes? I don't get that. That's why. That's how you know she's up to no good. I, I was gonna be like, see, I like how you're picking up all these clues. Yeah. Well, they were black and white, like the like the woman from um, 101 Dalmatians was the bad lady. Cruella Deville. They were black and white, like they were Cruella Deville colors. So okay, I didn't, I didn't see that part. Well, that's it. like it is, in, it's like kind of odd, like you're saying, like women wearing. It was like a pattern top, and it's like orange and like yeah. I forgot what it looked and like. Black, yeah. But then the the shoes stand out because it's black and then a white trim. And then the oh my I, goodness, what are they doing? Yeah, exactly. but like, I mean, you know, honestly, in the fashion world, that would be like something you see on the runway. But like to yeah, someone who likes to coordinate, train. like I don't know. Yeah. But honestly, this just, is my favorite part of the podcast right here. We're, we're going to review the post. It's not going to be better than this. No, well, because I'm going to say something about the post real quick, a little spoiler. Uh-oh. But it's about costume design because Meryl Streep's costume goes from grays and then finally at the end of the movie, she's in a, like more golden. Hell and yeah, she is. A transition of character and how they develop throughout their movie. And so like this woman, even though it's This very, is why she has a film degree, people. Even though it's like a fashion faux pas, probably in some people's eyes, it's like, Mine. it's going to stand out. <laughs> Stand out because she's the person that's causing the problems for Liam Neeson's character, and so you're gonna remember her. You don't see her throughout the movie anymore because she's just a voice on a phone afterwards until the very end. But I won't say anything uh. about that. But like, it's all about. It's when she's revealed to be the actual shark. Oh no! <laughs> but like, honestly, that's where like everything in film, the details. You know, they're important because even costumes. Oh, yeah, super important. I, a lot of people yeah. talk about cinematography, editing. Like you just well, talk about stunts. for costume design? They do. Yeah, they do. They okay. That's yeah. so what I'm saying. Like, you bring yeah. up the shoes, you know, it's not yeah. like it's totally silly to talk about. But, like, at the same time, oh, it's yeah. also still there's meaning to it of why 
the shoes or that. Well, I thought there was then, a reason because right. sometimes there's a reason for things, and yep. I just couldn't figure out what the reason is. I never saw it from your point of view, and <laughs> and it's okay. I'm going to stick with the Carilla Deville though. No, yeah. Well, it's like yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. It's just like I wouldn't forget her <laughs> just because she had mixed match shoes. Like she's the she's the one that set all this off. Like I'm not I remember a, because she's Norman Bates' mom. Yeah, in Bates Motel, yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and and Patrick Wilson's in this movie, so apparently they're just they're just always in movies together now. I guess that's yeah, they're they've really teamed up from horror into action now. I have a question they for you guys. Come at like a bargain price. Yeah, it's two for one deal. Yeah. Yeah. What was your question? What did you guys think of the poster of the movie with the uh, the the symbols and the uh, commuter letters? And it looks like oh. it's uh, you know. The poster campaign for the commuter has been on point because it has that one. It has the one where it's just like his head, like multiple. Like they do a lot of Vertigo stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of um, what's his name? Um, help me out. Alan. No, the the poster the the Selznick. Uh, the um, oh um, oh I know who you're talking about. I just don't remember the name. The uh, oh my god. Uh oh, Saul Bass. Saul Bass. Thank you. Thank you, Saul Bass. Yeah, like a lot of like Hitchcock inspired, Saul Bass inspired kind of yeah. posters. I think there was, yeah, no, because I kept seeing different commuter posters <clears throat> after the after that initial one where it has like the commuter type like color lights and everything. Yeah. But like the other ones, it's like, wow, they're really going all out to make these posters look good. So. Yeah, <laughs> I like the other ones. I mean, they're they're neat enough to mention. I mean, you asked the questions. So, I mean, I like you know, it. Well, I was just curious because you know it reminds me of uh, of it, it's it's just a colorful poster. On top of a black and white, uh, or I guess a grayed out uh, Liam Neeson. So, yeah. Just... Well, that's, that's just one of them. Yeah, there's all these other ones. Sure, right there, there are. Yeah. I'm looking at and them now. Said, Pretty good. You said that you felt also the movie was too long. Yeah, I think it goes a bit too long. Like it, there's... Are we talking two-hour territory? No, it's like an hour and 40. It just, it, like, there's, there's a point where it could end, and then it keeps kind of going. And I get why it needs to. And you just, you, could, you can tighten it up a bit. But still, I think it's entertaining. Like, it's, it's, it is it's a fun watch, yeah. so... It's okay. definitely you could watch it at home. Yeah. But I I enjoyed watching the theater with you too. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mom, for joining us for that one. You're very welcome. It was nice speaking to you all. Have a happy new year. Happy new year. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Bye, um, Mom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Abe, let's get to you. What else have you seen this week? I watched the Chappelle special uh, on Netflix. Pretty good. Both of them, or just the first one? Just the first one so far. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've seen them both at this point. My dad wanted to watch them, so he watched them. And, uh, Dad's movie minute? <laughs> he he liked it. His response was, that Chappelle's pretty smart. He's a smart guy. That was, <laughs> his, that was just, his response to that. And that was Dad's movie minute. <laughs> okay, so you watched the Chappelle? Yep. All right. Alan, how about you? What else have you, what else have you seen? I watched I, Tanya because I finally got that out here. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed that. It was funny. It was quirky. And, um, I, yeah, Allison Janey and I, Margot Robbie were great in it. I was really, um, and Sebastian Stan. Like, it's just a good movie. It's a solid, like, little dark comedy thing. It's good. And then I finished Black Mirror Season 4. Oh. I have to and, start that. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot, a lot of people aren't really into it. And they're, like, one of the episodes in it has, I believe, Joe Cole who is in Pleaky Blinders, and it's called Hang the DJ. And it's probably one of my top three favorite Black Mirror episodes. So right. I was really excited about that. And it was, you know, 
it was like it was it was an uneven season, but I I I enjoyed the majority of it, like I do with most Black Mirror episodes. It was good. Was, what I, was, I what I've noticed because yeah. I just looked at the runtime. What bothered me about the third season was that it's like, oh, we're on Netflix now, so we can make them like an hour and a half. And I'm like, ah, I just I like having a nice fifty minute nah. episode. And this one, these all seem at least around an hour, except for the yeah. first. Yeah. So I'm 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 more excited to watch Black Mirror because it's not going to take so much time as the other ones. Yeah. It's not six lifetime movies. They, kind they, of found, thing. they yeah. found the balance better. So yeah, as so I don't you know so far I don't know we'll see. But uh, you know I mean the first one the first episode uh, it's getting a lot of acclaim as one of the better ones and you know it was fine. Um, it seems that way because it's just like it's a Star Trek riff. So I'm like already yeah. like I don't I mean I like that it has um, what's his name um, Jesse Landry. Plemons. Jesse Plemons yeah. like he's the star of that one. Like yeah. that that's like okay, that's fun. But the idea that the Star Trek rip is like that doesn't excite me. So I'm like, okay, we'll see what it is. There are a number of notable actors in that first episode and then you know, as you go along there's less and less familiar faces, so mm-hmm. I don't know, they probably put all the budget into that one, which well, you know, it was it was fine. But Hang the DJ was really good and uh, I like Metalhead a lot. That one was pretty fun. Okay. Yeah. Um I've seen a couple things. I'll try to go through these quick because we already had a lot of quickies here. Uh, yeah. First up, Paddington 2, oh, which yeah. Anna and I saw last <laughs> week, came out this weekend, um, so making a lot around the world. So I'm not too disappointed because I, I kind of expected it not to do crazy well this weekend. It only made like $10 million in America, which is a shame because Paddington 2 is amazing. It is a fantastic movie. Uh, I, I, and I, you know, I'm, say- I'm going to say it's like it's one of the best films of the year, knowing that it's January, but that said, if there is like going to be a number of films that are better than Paddington Two, it's a pretty good year, guys. Because Paddington is really good. It's it's very funny. It's charming. Hugh Grant is great in it. He plays like the villain, and he's like <laughs> having a ball. Something about these Paddington Two films makes just English actors be like, let's just have like ridiculous fun times, and they do. And so um, I saw that with you, the mm-hmm. first one yes. as well. And I told Aaron, I was like, the second one is. I mean, they're both good, but I feel like the second one's even better and than I would, the first one. I would agree. It is. And it's just, it is charming. I liked it so much. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It I, is. I'm so mad that I got rid of my Paddington pair. Because <laughs> uh, it's just like, now this movie came out, I'm like, I used to have a Paddington pair, you guys. <laughs> and so I'm just like, oh. My elementary school, we had like the little like tea parties and stuff. And I told Aaron, I was like, gosh. And now it's like popular again. <laughs> But yeah, it, Paddington Zoo is the real deal. It is it is a good movie um, that for anybody to see. Some of do those, I need a, sorry. You don't you don't necessarily need to see the first okay, one. That's cool. it. The first one's really good, so there's no yeah, reason not to see really the first good. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a number of small roles in there. Um, Richard Ayoade shows up for a scene. I was like, oh, that's fun. Um, but also, what's the name? Um, Brendan Gleeson has a supporting role in the film, Brendan and he has Gleeson. maybe my favorite joke in the movie as far as what his name is and how he presents it to the characters. <laughs> okay. it's, it, it's just really. Funny. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very upset if I don't laugh out loud when I see it. Well, it's it's just there's a spelling <laughs> joke and there's also a a use of digits that makes me you'll you'll, you'll get it I guess if you see it. But okay. It's just really worthwhile. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's Paddington, which is out now, and I certainly recommend it. Uh, the weekend before, since we were doing our top ten episode, I didn't have a chance to say Insidious: The Last Key. Oh, um, this is the fourth Insidious film, the sequel to the prequel that was Insidious Three, if we're keeping track. Um, it is not very good. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, because I, and I say that because like the first Insidious is really good. I really like the first Insidious film, 
The second one, I don't really like, but I think James Wan's style is still there. The third one was okay. You know, you pull, you throw Dermot Moroni in there, and it's like it, things get a little bit better. That, that uh, one was like the 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 past prehistory one. Right? Yeah, that was that was the first prequel, and this is yeah. a sequel to that film because gotcha. it's still set in the past. And like it's it's just it's a direction thing. Like there's there's no real scares in the movie, which is surprising because Insidious to me what that movie does effectively is let's have like really clashing loud music and jump scares, but they mostly feel earned in the previous Insidious films where this one's like, oh, we're just not going to do that. We're going to have like a handful of scares and not much else interesting, which is just like, all right, that's a weird route to go. It's not the worst as far as like January horror movies, but cause it's, you know, there's some really bad ones that have happened, uh, <laughs> but like, it's, it's still like a letdown as far as this could have been better for a horror series. I, I kind of like as far as continuing horror series go. So, yeah. So I'm going to jump in real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Alan yeah. had brought up So I, Tanya. And mm-hmm. it's been like in my head for a while now. I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I will. I don't know how I feel about it yet. But I'm curious because like a lot of people have enjoyed the film. Yeah. But did anyone like follow the story like before or like have an interest in figure skating? Because like so for me, I really enjoyed figure skating when I was younger. And I used to always watch it with my mom and I remember the story and everything that happened. If anyone cares, Nancy Kerrigan was asked if what she thought about the movie, and she said she's just living her life. But um, I feel like she's also she's not really in the movie, right? No, but like, well, I can bring it up too because last Thursday they had on ABC like a the 2020 20, special yes. with Tanya Harding, uh huh, and it had a little bit of Nancy Kerrigan too. But that just came up because I know people were like, oh, what, what does she think? But she hasn't seen it, I guess. But I'm just interested because, like, I don't know, like, is this... Obviously, it was... It's one of those things, like, when movies get made, is like, is this needed? Because, like, from my standpoint, and this is why I haven't seen it just yet, because I haven't rushed to go see it because it's not really, I guess, of interest, because I didn't really like her as a figure skater. And everyone kind of knows she was, like, kind of like the white trash of figure skating. And, like, Oksana Bayou and other figure skaters at that time were, like, the ones to look out for, the ones that were, like, known to be, like, the classic ladies on the ice. And she was basically like, kind of like a rebel being on the ice. And her life story and everything was out there. Well, her big thing was that she could pull off the triple axel, which right. not no. many people can and do. And that was the only thing she was known for, and that was it. Because then her life went just downhill from there. So I don't know if it's just, like, when it comes to films, are you, like, interested in seeing it even though you haven't have that much background of, like, what the story is or... Because, again, a lot of critics are liking this movie. And well, I don't know... Well, I mean, there's a... I mean, going by the critic, I mean, there's a number of mm-hmm. critics that are older and then some that are younger that obviously don't remember the story as well, didn't follow it, or ones that very much did follow it and had, you know, very much an idea of what that was going on. Some are bigger fans of figure skating than others. Obviously, figure skating became much more popular around this time just because of the news coverage that was coming out of it and what have you. Um, I can say personally, like, going into Itania, it was more because of, like, the acclaim it was getting, which is why I'd want to go see the movie, is as, as opposed to, like, because it's this story, I need to go see that. That wasn't my real thought behind it. Um, coming out of it, and I know, Abe, you weren't a big fan of the movie. Yeah, well, um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll speak on that in yeah. a little bit. I... I like the movie quite a bit. I think it has its share of flaws, which you and I talked about off air last week. Um, but I do think it, 
what it has going for it, I think, are the things that work really well as far as the performances, some of the humor, the way it presents the way it presents Tanya Harding's side of the story by both detailing the problems that she clearly has as well as things that may might not be known by the average person when they think of who Tanya Harding is, which I, I found that to be interesting. But I also think it could have done certain things differently to make the story, for me, work better. Um, but as, coming out of it, it's like, okay, that's a story I didn't necessarily care about going in, mm-hmm. that at least I have more of a perspective on coming out. And so I can appreciate that aspect of it. Okay. Yeah, in terms there, of... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go, I'll go after you. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, in terms of answering the question, I mean, there's there's tons of movies where I don't know that much about it going in, and then I'll watch the movie just to either learn about something or be interested. Because you have some in, other interest in other aspects. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and also some of these are things that are, I mean, for example, like Darkest Hour or something that was on my top ten list. I I, I haven't... I'm not huge on on uh, uh, Winston Churchill in terms of I haven't read up on, on a lot of his biographical works and whatever else. But you're not a Churchillian, movie, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Call of Duty, a Churchy, <laughs> a Churchy, yeah. But you know, going in or watching the movie and then coming out, I was like, wow, I'm I'm kind of really impressed by you know the performance of the of Gary Oldman, but also the movie overall. For mm-hmm. I Tanya specifically, though, um, I I didn't have a great time with it, and that's mostly because. Uh, we we all lived through the whole entire uh, Kerrigan and Tanya Harding, um, I guess, news war, um, right. and, and it's it's just that it's 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 actually a pretty dark story, um, and it's it's one that kind of was swept away just because it was like oh tabloid news headlines, but now that it's back in the the mainframe that the zeitgeist it's kind of just more of well you know I I kind of wish that they had centered on a few other things of the story. Um, that could have made it a little bit more sympathetic because I, I liked how there was a headline, um, I think maybe a couple of weeks ago, where it's like, oh, Tanya Harding will like her apology now. And it's like, okay, well, you know, that's not the that's not the feeling that I got from watching the movie. It feels like um, they, they kind of really didn't expand on, on that aspect. But with that being said, like what Aaron had mentioned, it is a really good way to show a biopic. I mean, I'm always interested in ways that people show biopictures, shoot biopictures, you know, something like Straight Outta Compton or Jackie or this, and instead of just going all eyes on me style, where it's like this is the worst. Uh, yeah, I mean, as opposed to like my life. as opposed to a visual Wikipedia entry, something like something <laughs> like this, or, or Jackie. Honestly, Jackie and this Jackie is, is fantastic. Yeah, it is fantastic. It's a better movie than this, I would say. Yeah. But also, but in terms of the structure, they have a lot in common. In terms one, you know, there's these interviews happening in the present right. while you're being retold the story from the past, and have a variety of different artistic choices of how to present all that information. There's yeah. a lot in common between the two films. Yeah, so I mean, on the whole, though, it's it's just more that I felt as though it could have been, uh, they could have gone in a different direction altogether instead of hit after hit song and then laugh after laugh because I I didn't really laugh that much. I kind of just felt bad. I mean, this mm-hmm. this is a person who's been abused her entire life, and I was like, well, you know, I don't I don't feel like laughing right now. It's like this person needs some help. Alan, what are you gonna say? Well, I had a very I, I knew about the situation when it was going on. I even remember Tanya Harding and the celebrity boxing matches on Fox mm-hmm. growing up. And then necessarily, like, I don't, I didn't care enough about Tanya Harding as an individual to want to go see it because it's about Tanya. I uh, like Aaron. Oh, there's a lot of critical acclaim going on for this. I want to go see this. Oh, the actors in it. I am interested in going to follow that. And I kind of knew a little bit about the production, but like a couple flaws I, like that I see in the film is that I almost think that they're too easy on Tanya at certain aspects. So I can, yeah, I can see that. Like okay, 
and then now, especially with the Golden Globes, with her being there and kind of focusing on the positives of her, not necessarily the negatives of what happened and surrounded that area. Like there are certain things like they're almost lifting her up too much and almost feeling like she's the champion that's going to help the movie. And, and like the movie's more important than like the care, like even Nancy Kerrigan's feelings over the whole thing that's going on. So I think that's a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like what's going on with the disaster artist and bringing Tommy out. But that, that one makes a little bit more sense to me. Yeah. Like the Tanya Harding thing, like this isn't like, the thing she's surrounded in isn't good. And with some of the news reports going out now that, you know, she dropped her agent because she's telling people that, you know, they got to pay her $25,000 or something or like an ex- crazy amount of money to talk about the incident. Um, I just hope that maybe with the spotlight she has, she can get the help she needs. But like, uh, that's like, to go, yeah. you know, to go back to her point, like, like I want to go see it because it sounded like it wasn't exactly a topic that I'm super interested in, unfortunately, uh-huh. but I wanted to see it because I heard it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Unlike the post where I was, yes, I'm deep down. Let's go. I love this. Right. So it's just, it's kind of like that. Like if I hear it's a good movie, I'm going to go watch it. Cause I'm so, I'm still kind of on the sides on it. I don't know if I'm going to see it. We'll see. But cause there was just definitely more figure skaters of that time that were greater. Like I know the other girls and stuff that during that time, they weren't looking up at Tanya Harding. Maybe someone else was in the other parts of the States, probably. But I know from, like, where I was at the time, it was more like Oksana Bayou, Nancy Kerrigan. And then, of course, later on, you get Michelle Kwan. So I was just... Honestly, curious. to me, the movie isn't necessarily about figure skating. It's more about the class divide in America. Because they right, focused more on that. She oh, had yeah. no money. Yeah. She, she didn't was, do it. Right. Exactly. Because, like, they pointed her, like I said earlier, like, they said, like, she was, like, the white trash on figure skating. Yes. Like, she wasn't... Yeah. She wasn't like your prima ballerina because of figure skating. She was the one that didn't have the money. Her mom was abusive, uh, wasn't there for her, and of course gets an abusive relationship, and it just spirals down. And everyone, I think on that show they said like how everyone was just telling her that she would be a failure, and that's basically what she made her life to be. And it seems like she was, I don't want to say she was okay with that, like she... That's what she ended up like living. It was like I'm. Uh, well, I, I do think the movie explores that in an interesting way, which is why, it, again, I think it. Yes, that's why I think it works as a film. And I, I'd add, as far as this, we're going a lot on I Tanya, and I'm all for it because I think this. I think it's a good question. We've all, the three of us have seen the movie. So well, I was curious because I, I, I really like figure skating, and so like mm-hmm. that was my, that was all my childhood was like figure skating. So when this came up, and then like the 2020 thing came up, I'm like, why is there so much buzz about? Tanya Harding again. <laughs> yeah. Well, as far as far as just like this so movie. Sorry to go off no, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, as far as this movie existing, I can, uh, I can, I can see why it does. As far as there's a story to be told here. There's a they cracked an idea that's cinematically interesting. As far as how to present a biopic, if they can pull that off with the other figure skaters of that time, mm-hmm. I mean, you put an interesting director or actors behind it, and you know, I'm all I'm all for that as well. But for the time being, it's like this is the one we got. It got the acclaim that it has, so that's why I went to go see it. It turned out for me, it worked pretty well. I and I mean, it's worked pretty well for everybody involved in the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's yeah, yeah. Good question. Well, thank you. That was a good question. No, <laughs> yeah. that's. I'm sorry, didn't go on a tangent. You don't need to be. You don't need to apologize. Head, and I'm like, why is this like so this, popular? This is what Abe and I push for in the in the podcast, having this more conversational we, approach about yeah, these kind yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah, these these are the things that we we. We generally record, and then we record. We stay on the line for like another hour and a half just talking about movies. <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> I see what happens when you actually have me on the show. 
I go on. Yeah, you help. Go on. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. You add you add some color to the commentaries. Yeah. Let's, um, we'll get to the post now. Okay. Well, that was well, that was on no quickies. TM. Let's move on. Let's get to our Taylor. <laughs> Thank you, topic. Alan. You're let's, welcome. I got you. I, I slipped on that one. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's get to yes. I, I noticed it too. I didn't want to say anything, but I was scolding you with my eyes. <laughs> Calvin Hobbes picture. Let's do some, let's do some quick trailer talk. Um. I don't want to get too deep into faces. We have to get, still do a whole review. Uh, we're talking this week for the movie trailer, the newest movie trailer of the week, what we're thinking, what we're talking. Um, it is the latest from Clint Eastwood. It is filmed The 1517 to Paris. This is a film based off a true story um, that involved a an attack that was going to be happening on a train that was thwarted um, by by three, uh, three, three Americans, three soldiers. Yeah. Um, and the twist of the film is that the people playing the Americans are played by the actual people that stopped this from happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so there you go. And you got Clint Eastwood directing. It's coming out. What do we what, what do we think? Alan, what did you think of the trailer? Oh, not into it at all. A couple of reasons. First one, it's a spoiler. Second one, I just find it incredibly exploitive to, like, put these guys front and center and be like, look at this, look at this. And I understand the aspect of, we understand who George Clooney are, like who George Clooney, Brad Pitt, and all those people are. And we know them on a first name basis. These guys are real heroes. I understand that. But I also feel it's incredibly hypocritical from Clint Eastwood to do the thing he was criticizing in Flag of Our Fathers about putting these American veterans who went through this ordeal front and center in front of cameras, in front of newspapers, in front of all these other things to try to help bolster American patriotism and I just am not into this idea of this movie at all. I just don't. I just don't like it. Abe? Yeah, I'm not feeling it either. And, and a lot of it was what uh, Alan had succinctly said. So it's it's kind of just more that um, it's kind of a neat idea to have the actual soldiers that, that or the soldiers that were uh, on that train to be in a movie. But the feel of the whole entire movie is something that, like the term that Alan used, it feels exploitative, right? It's something that I had a problem with with American Sniper, and it's also something that kind of makes me very, very like uh, hesitant to go in the theater and watch something like uh, like uh, what's the one with Chris Hems or Twelve Twelve Strong? Um, so something the, like that. The where, Ballad of the Horse Soldiers or something. Yeah, yeah. full title. Thank you. Uh, but uh, it's it's it certainly is a movie that's not in my. It's not it's not a movie for me. Anna. I'll be ready to board this train, too, I think. Um, the only thing I am, like, a little curious on is, like, bringing on the actual individuals to play the roles. I can see where a couple years ago, I think, they started bringing in more, like, military individuals to play the roles in movies, which I'm fine with. I come from a long line of military people in the family, and I'm all about patriotism. But I don't know. Like, they brought them on... Like other military people in movies in Hollywood these days, because I know when you watch the movies, everyone's like, "Oh, that's their cover should be on," or you know, little details on the uniform isn't how it should be because it's Hollywood. And, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I, I remember one time someone was complaining about Transformers because Tyrese was wearing his like the the officer hat when he shouldn't have been doing so at said time, which is like. Well, that's a that's an interesting complaint about a movie about fighting robots, but go on, okay. I know, and it is Hollywood. And it, I mean, you know, when we're at the house with my dad, he's like, it's all Hollywood, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and he knows too. But like, they did. There was like a story. I can't remember when and what, but like, 
that's why they started bringing more like military individuals into Hollywood movies so they can get it right. And it's basically like anything that's been going on with like identity and race. It's just like, okay, we're going to bring these certain individuals so the story becomes a little bit more truer, I guess, to the viewers. And whether sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I just don't know about bringing on these three, but I guess there's more of a story to tell because they're going to go through a process of like, here they are when they were young together. Because I saw the trailer recently with you yeah, when we saw the Commuter. Computer. That was like the first time we saw it. And like you see them like when they're younger, they kind of do like their little fist bump thing. And then mm-hmm. you see them again when they're older, which I'm guessing they're before they go to Paris or they're in Paris, but they do the yeah. same little fist bump hand gesture thing. And it's like, okay, these two guys grew up with each other. So, of course, it's going to be delved into probably more of like their personal yeah. stories before they get to what yeah. happened in Paris. But oh, I'm interested in somewhat to see where it goes. I... <laughs> It's more of like I, Eastwood has been so kind of hit or miss for me and a lot of miss in the last several. I mean, he's basically like Woody Allen where he's doing movies like every year. And like, like I, and I've seen, I, I enjoyed Sully. Like I enjoyed, I've watched Sully a number of times on HBO at this point where it's like, there's some good stuff in here. Um, it wasn't like a favorite movie. I mean, I think there's birds, um, but I think there was some good things going on. And I, you know, but that movie also has the help of the benefit of Tom Hanks and Aaron, and Aaron Eckhart and a lot of, you know, you know, very talented people and his like advent to be like, well, I'm going to use IMAX cameras because I'm old and why not um, here? I understand this. I guess he has his own challenge to himself. It's like, maybe I can get a bunch of the real people to be on this movie and uh, see how that can work out. That's how he talks to himself. That's and oh, wow. I, <laughs> how he talks to a chair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. It's more of, you know, curiosity as far mm-hmm. as why I'd want to go see the movie. Right. Um, and, I, and, and I and I'm curious the structure because I like Sully had an interesting way of presenting the actual plane events, um, and I'm curious if it's going to be something like that where it's a lot of cuts back and forth between the events and them being younger and going on and what have you. I also hope that Eastwood somehow takes into account that is you know there's more than just a scary brown person here and there's a reason he's doing something, which wasn't specifically terrorism. It was more of he just he needed food, he needed money to buy food. Um, I, I'm curious if he's going to tackle the kind of other side of what's going on here. Um, but we'll we'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. You know what? And this one's, of course, a little bit more political than, say, Commuter. Yeah. Of course, they're both different, but in a way similar because you have Liam Neeson, and then you have these three guys that are on this, or is it two or three? It's like three guys. Three guys on the train that are, you know, prevent what's going to happen, and it's basically throwing this, this like tagline to you where it's like anybody can be a hero. You can have the right to save the day. Like Liam Neeson, he could save the person that's on the the train or get them killed. And it's the same thing with these guys. You can be a hero and try to help and save some people, or a lot of people will be killed. I So it's kind of like, it's going on that, like, that story, right? Where it's like, anyone can jump in and be a hero. And I'm, I'm just curious but, if Eastwood has something interesting to say about that. Yeah, right? same here. Yeah, I don't think anyone's disagreeing that, uh, you know, when in, when in a fight or flight kind of mentality, I mean, you got to do you kind of thing. But uh, it's a, it's an amazing story, and it's it's actually... One that is kind of unbelievable, but at the same time cool. But I agree that you know I'm I'm curious. It has piqued curiosity just in terms of what is the story that's going to be told here? Because if it's very one-sided, then that becomes something that problematic. That, yeah, it becomes something that people are just going to be like, wow, you know, I, I, another one of these. So 
Okay, you know. real quick. You explained this to me. Mm-hmm. You said Clint Eastwood had brought on the actual... I thought you meant the terrorist. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Wow, that'd goodness. be weird. I would watch that. I Shit. Have, I have, so that's why we were in the car ride to Vegas. I was puzzled. And that's why I was like, this doesn't seem right. Like, why would you do that? Like, that... <laughs> no, no. I wow, honestly wasn't a, that nice about what you told me. I am like, glad you, you got that one cleared up. <laughs> me too. Like, honestly, when we're on the ride, he's like... We're gonna talk about this trailer. I'm like, okay, I haven't seen it. And he's like, yeah, he actually got the people that were on the train. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I was like discussing, and I was super tired, you guys, because I'm getting off of work. We're on a five-hour drive over here, and I'm like just sitting puzzled. And I'm like, why would you? That seems like a really bad, bad idea. And then when we saw the tra- when we saw the commuter, now you get. It. I saw the train. I'm like, oh, it's those guys. I didn't realize you were still puzzled, but I that was, makes yes. it amazing. And when I sat there with the trailer, I was like. Oh. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Well, the 15th to 17th to Paris arrives at the theaters uh, February 9th, so it's coming pretty quick. So, uh, February. we'll see. All right, guys. Let's get to our main review for The Post. Okay, people are concerned about having a woman in charge of the paper, that she doesn't have the resolve to make the tough choices. Thank you, Arthur, for your frankness. Let's do our jobs. Find those pages. You're talking about exposing years of government secrets. Is that legal? What is it you think we do here for a living, kid? Ben, I might have something. It must be precious cargo. It's just government secrets. That should have been some of the trailer for The Post. Uh, while making his next film, Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg had a screenplay brought to his attention that concerned the role of the Pentagon Papers that played in helping a small Washington, D.C. newspaper step into the big leagues by way of a challenge to the freedom of the by, of press by President Nixon. This was also at a time when the post-CEO, Kay Graham, was put into a position to find her voice among the many men seated around her as well. Seeing obvious parallels to current times, Spielberg jumped onto the opportunity to make this film, and several months later, he has The Post, a newspaper drama starring Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, and anyone who wanted to jump at the chance to say yes to being involved in a Spielberg character drama. Was making this jump the right choice? Alan? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. 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 Like, it was great. Um, I think that he had the right timing for everything. He was in post-production on Ready Player One. He's like, hey, look at this. I could make this, and I could fill it with the most talented American and some foreign actors. And I could put Tracy Letts in a great role, because he's already having a great year with Lady Bird. <laughs> he, it's, I, I asked Aaron and Abe to be on this podcast months ago because I knew <laughs> I was like the post is going to be my jam and then there are a number of different scenes he has like insert cuts of typewriters I fell in love I was I was done I was like oh man this is the greatest thing I had was a, I was a journalism, a journalism major in college and, and then I dropped out because I was a dying breed but oh man <laughs> this just made me want to go back and finish that degree um, so from inception, it's, it's, it's almost like a, we talked about it, earlier. It's the kind of biopic that I enjoy. It's not necessarily about one particular person, but it's about this situation, much like Lincoln. Like it's about the fight against Nixon and the post and the freedom of the press. And you're focusing on that and you're focusing. The only real issue I have with the film is that it didn't focus enough on the New York times aspect of it and what they were going through on their end. And he wanted, which I think deservedly so in this time frame, to focus on Miss Graham and the people at the post and kind of how you blur the lines between friendship with politicians and newspaper reporters. And it was so concise, and it only took place over, what, like two weeks? 
I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe less than that. It was wonderful. And there's a scene when Ms. Graham is leaving the courthouse. And it's very subtle. It's very quiet. But I don't really want to give away spoilers. But she's walking away. And those maybe 30 seconds of film, I think, probably my favorite scene of the year in any film. It was so subtle. And it was perfect. And... I luckily saw it in a packed house in L.A. when I was in town for Christmas. And so I was smiling ear to ear. I was laughing at all the jokes. Um, it made me, it honestly made me want to uh, subscribe to the New York Times or the Post and have it delivered to my driveway um, in Charlotte, North Carolina every day. So <laughs> this film kind of just revitalizes my urge to want to get back into the printed word. And it revitalizes the idea of how important the press is, especially in today's uh, political climate um, and how they have to provide the checks and balances for a lot of the people in power and kind of shows you how, you know, back in the 60s, it was it, it was still very much similar to today. And if we don't learn from the lessons of the past, we'll repeat it in the future. And I just I honestly think it's one of Steven Spielberg's best top tenor for me, for sure. I, oh, I'm just gushing about it. I'm all, <laughs> I'm all happy. Like if you can see me right now, I have that Snapchat filter with a bunch of hearts. Like, You're ooh, the post. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just, oh, man. He's, he's a bright great. little Mexican boy. <laughs> oh, man. Um, beaming. I was like, oh, si me gusta. <laughs> like, to let you guys know, it almost gave Coco a run for its money. Oh, wow. All right. So yeah, if I cried at the end, it would have changed things. <laughs> Anna, what would you think of the post? I also think it was, it was well made. It's a pretty look, good-looking film, even though it's like kind of the blues and kind of cold feeling in ways but it still looks good and I kind of want to touch what Alan was saying I do wish we would have gotten more of like what was going on with the New York Times and I know it's titled The Post but like you don't really get that as much of like you know what were they pressing of like publishing these papers and everything there's a really great shot in this movie the score John Williams score is like pretty good and the clattering of the typewriting, mm-hmm. the typewriters, I really enjoyed that. And the end scene, right, with, like, having all the newspapers just kind of scrolling down. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember because it feels like it's been a while since we saw it. Everyone's doing great in this movie. It really, it's good. And I'm like, thinking about journalism, too, because, like, I kind of delved into journalism myself when I was in school for film. And then I kind of, I left it for over the two. And then I went to creative writing instead. But it's just, like, interesting to see. And, like, we were talking about newspapers earlier. And it's just, like, I know journalism has definitely evolved and it's different now. I don't know. It was, like, a very happy feeling to see, like, those pressing of, like, those keys and stuff. And it's just, like, you want that. Seeing the work getting done. Yes. And not just, like, having a keyboard on a computer. I don't know. <laughs> but it's a really done film. You know, both Tom Hanks and Meryl's. Street um, are doing really well. I know you've already kind of raved of like she's probably doing her best here. I, I'll get to mine, but yes, I think she's right? very good in the movie. And she is. I know you have like your in and outs of like her roles and like you kind of joke around. Yeah, like, I'm not, yeah she's not my favorite. <laughs> whether it's Oscar worthy or not, or she's just, you know, playing a role. But this one is really because it's there's like two stories going on. It's Tom Hanks and hers. I can't remember their actual names. Ben Radley and Fay Graham. Yeah. And so you have, it's very interesting. I love when films do the interweaving of, you know, stories. Mm -hmm. So it's neat to go back and forth between the two. And I think one of 
neat shots is like when they have the camera on her and they're asking whether or not to get the papers published. I think it's like probably one of mm-hmm. the greatest moments in that film. Mm-hmm. And also the very last with the, the newspapers coming <laughs> down. That's pretty cool too. Cause you said that was like actually shot. Yeah. There's um, the two kind of, Clarify. To to bring to bring like the the you know the movie to life, they actually went to a newspaper press um, like building that actually still uses all the t- the technology you see in the film that was used back in the '60s, as far as having like an elaborate machine that puts together the different newspaper tiles and everything and prints everything out. Like it's been updated, obviously, but there are the, the kind of the classic ways of doing it are still very much the ways of doing it in a lot of instances, which is I think is pretty neat. I want to go there. Okay. Okay. Oh, you guys are scheduling a field trip. I know that that should be a uh, something to do. <laughs> Abe, yeah, I had high hopes on what you would think of this movie. What did you think of this movie? Uh, I thought it was all right. Uh, I think that it was a good movie, and and I think that there was a lot that they were exploring with it that they did touch upon that goes subtly under. Uh, I guess it's it's more undertone than it is overtone because the whole entire point of the movie is journalism and why it matters and how being independent bodies. Um, is much more of a treasured thing than, than we kind of take it for granted these days. Um, I think that there was an exploration of, um, of women in the workplace as well, which they kind of touched upon lightly. I wish they had gotten a little bit more. And there's there's that scene that Alan talked about that I think was was effective, but at the same time, it it seemed like it was it, it should have been a more focal point uh, if it... Uh, I if think it clearly to. is. I mean, Meryl Streep's the star of the movie. It's not she Tom is, Hanks. yeah. And, and I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not saying that it's bad in any way. It's just that uh, I think that there, it, it could have perhaps been done a little bit more, um, not heavy-handedly, but I think that there's uh, some room there to, to grow that character and that, that piece out. But in terms of... And what you're saying uh-huh. is that this movie should be three hours long. Is that I agree with? I'd you. be okay with that actually. You oh know? man! And, and I'm not saying that I'm not. I say that facetiously, but at the same time, I think that they explored a little bit more of it. I'd be down because there's a lot of great things that that Meryl Streep's character is doing, playing uh, Cat Graham. She does a terrific job, by the way. Uh, her accent and her mannerisms are spot on. Um, same thing with like the, the casting in here is really good. Um, Bill Bradley. I mean, Tom Hanks looks like Bill Bradley from the 60s, 70s. Um, Matthew Reese, he has this opening sequence that I thought was fantastic. Um, yeah, as the Eisenberg, yeah. Yeah, but um, in terms of of you know the pressure of having newspapers publish what they think is the right thing, I didn't get a great you know it it, it w- there was never really any sort of like okay well you know it seems like they're not going to do this kind of thing, um, and even when they they had the the background story of of Bradley being friends with politicians like JFK and Lyndon Johnson. Or uh, Cat Graham being friends with Robert McNamara, uh, etc. I never really got a sense of, well, you know what, this isn't, well, it's really hard for me to cross those lines, and, and these are personal friends of mine kind of thing. So they explore that topic a little bit, but I don't think that they really went into it as much. Um, but what I did appreciate about the movie is that it's very much no frills. And so perhaps like that sounds like an oxymoron because I'm kind of saying, well, I wish they had done a little bit more of why journalism should really matter. Um, but if they were to go, you know, dangerous sounding music and then people in trench coats, that goes a little bit over the top, right? So the no frills part is something like just having conversations about, uh, about business and how a newspaper might, uh, be in trouble because of this or that. But, um, on the whole, like when I finished watching the movie, I didn't 
really get a great sense of, okay, well, I'm going to go buy the Washington Post and, and contribute to them. I think that they do great work, and I think the New York Times does great work, but I didn't really you know, go out of my seat and say, wow, this is something, this is uh, incredibly important because um, when I'm watching something like Spotlight or something like The Paper, which is a fictitious newspaper story, um, I'm watching those things, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I mean, this is why investigative journalism does matter. Um, whereas this one was like, well, Matthew Reese has these papers, and uh, here you go. So it's a good movie. I just didn't leap out of my seat after watching it. I have some thoughts, but I want Anna to see you guys have a point she wants to bring up again. Real quick, because I'm going to step away for a little bit, but it's also, I would say, <laughs> this movie is you can a great companion with The President's Men. All The President's Men. Yes. All The President's Men, yeah. Because the way it ends, it definitely opens nicely to follow. It works as a, as a ghost prequel to All The President's Men. Right. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that because I told Aaron, I was like, before we saw this, I was like, President's Men is one of my favorite movies, and I was like, we should watch this. And then at the end of this movie, I was like, oh! We definitely need to watch this now. It's, it just flows right into yeah, it. Very much so. Yeah. All right. That was uh, all. <laughs> okay. I, I think this movie's fantastic. I, I think Abe is severely underrating it. I'm all with Alan as far as what this movie's accomplishing. Thank I you. Think, <laughs> I, I think the 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 work here it I mean I don't want to go into Spielberg's worth ethic and how he seems to function great under pressure when he's making two movies in a year, which he's done several times and it's turned out well almost every single time but my gosh he, he did an amazing working job here as far as putting us putting together this movie which is i guess not any movie's complicated but like he made all of this in like a few months guys and it's crazy but regardless the results here i was so like i was so, I, I talked to you abe about how darkest hour i was just so like just like just in my seat just like yes this yeah. is i want yes this is amazing i felt the same way about the post where it doesn't hurt that, yes, the movie's obviously speaking to the parallels to today's times, but at the same time, it's just really well done where I'm just so into the stories of what's happening. And you're talking about how, you know, there's some undertones that could have been explored more or what not involving like women in the workplace. But I think it's what it surprised me most is that it very much was a movie about Meryl Streep's character the most, followed by the Ben Bradley stuff involving the Pentagon Papers or whatnot, where you're fi- you're seeing this woman who's inherited this thing and she has she's very smart we very much understand that but she just she can't quite bring herself to talk in front of the men in the in the way she needs to and then she just finds that throughout the movie and it's thrilling like this this movie for a film that's about you know the the Washington Post printing a story and what's going to happen i was incredibly excited by this the most i've been ex- excited during a spielberg movie in quite a long time not to say that Spielberg hasn't made, you know, good movies or whatnot, but as far as like visceral entertainment, this one did it. Like this was just really well done. I mean, the no frills thing is very much a part of that. We could talk about how, you know, getting to see more character drama with great actors would be fine for three hours, but at the same time, I love that this movie's like barely two hours. I love that it's just it's just on the move, especially you know, even though I like the Pentagon paper stuff involving Matthew Reese, who I. I think it's hilarious that they brought him on to play a spy. When he's the show. I know, he's, yeah, he's I love star that. Of the American, <laughs> like they brought Matthew. Reese Did they know that he was working for the uh, the other uh, government? <laughs> also, fun fact: Do you guys know what else Matthew Reese does as an actor? What does he do? He has a show with Matthew Good called The Wine Show, where he and Matthew Good oh, just go yes. to wineries and just hang out, being buddies and being really giddy about wine. Which they is fucked like, up by not calling it good wine, but whatever. I, it's, yeah. <laughs> but it's, I just I discovered that the other day where it's like 
Because I, I watch the, I'm a huge fan of the Americans and everything. Yeah. So it's like, what else does Matthew Reese does? Because it seems like he only works for like half part of the year. He doesn't have any movies. And now he's like in a movie final. He's like, oh, that's cool. It's like, oh, he has like a whole series on BBC where he's like just hanging around with his buddy Matthew Good from like Watchmen and stuff. Where it's like, okay, they just, they're just friends and they drink wine on the show. <laughs> the it's like thing. it's like the trip. I spent. Yeah, trip, it's yeah, like the trip. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that. I just found that neat. Anyway, the post. I think the movie's fantastic. I think the acting across the board is very good. You have a terrific supporting cast here, oh, full yeah. of just tons of people. Bob Odenkirk is very. Like, it's great. Breaking Bad reunion with Bob Odenkirk and uh, what's his face? David Cross. David Cross is in there too. That's, that's yeah. the Mr. Show. Jesse Plemons. Oh, I'm sorry. Jesse Plemons. Oh yes, Jesse Plemons. Yeah, Jesse Plemons in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I didn't hear that for a second part. I'm yeah, Tracy Leds, Bradley Whitford, another sinister character. <laughs> then you have then you have couple Tracy Letts and Carrie Coon. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and by the way, married. I would watch. Yeah. Um, oh, you're married, yes. But I would watch no, it, the I, hell out of a Lucas Hedges and Jesse Plemons like law practice show. Oh, I would watch that too. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Or you mean Zach Woods? Yeah, Zach Woods. Yeah, I'm all over the place. <laughs> yes. But I would also watch one with Jesse Plemons and Lucas Hedges because I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah I'm all for it. Zach yeah. Woods leaves, leaves leaves Pied Piper and joins a law firm with Jesse Plemons and Lucas Hedges. <laughs> uh, the movie. Anna alluded to this, Meryl Streep, I do think is very good in this movie. Mm-hmm. I've, I've said a lot that in all the years where she gets nominated for everything, this is the first time in a while where I'm like, oh, she got the default nomination. I would not be upset at this whatsoever because I do think she's very good here. Mm-hmm. I, not just like the Better than this than some of the past stuff she's done, yes. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I mean, she's generally good in things, but it gets exhausting to see her get nominated when there's you know very good performances throughout the year for a lot of people that don't get the recognition. So it's like, well, this is actually one where I'm like, all right, I'm at, this is I'm for this. Like she's really good. It's, it seems like a role that's challenging her to do something. When if if you have to make a role believable where Bradley Whitford's talking you down, then I'm, I'm happy that Meryl Streep's able to yeah. make that seem plausible and then come back right up again and tell him down later on. Right. Um, Tom Hanks is fine here. I mean, he's he's Tom Hanks. He's always good. He's no Jason Robards as far as all the president's men goes. But like, he does, he does a good job as Brent Bradley playing that kind of gruff character. Right. So, can I ask you a hypothetical question? Oh, dear. I don't like hypothetical questions. Well, I don't think you're going to like the real one either. Do you have the papers? Not yet. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Because you know the, the uh, position that would put me in... You know, we have language in the prospectus. Yeah, I know, I know that the bankers can change their mind, and I know what is at stake. You know, the only couple I knew that both Kennedy and LBJ wanted to socialize with was you and your husband, and you owned the damn paper. Since the way things worked, politicians and the press, they trusted each other so they could go to the same dinner party and drink cocktails and tell jokes while there was a war raging in Vietnam. I don't know what we're talking about. I, I'm not protecting Lyndon. Oh, no, you got his former Secretary of Defense, Robert McNamara, the man who commissioned this study. He's I'm one of about a dozen party him. guests out on your I'm not protecting any of them. I'm protecting the paper. And just, yeah, the it, filmmaking-wise, I mean, there's... There's a lot here that just has me, regardless of knowing where this story is going, I was excited by the steps it was taking to show me where that story was going and the perspectives it was showing me from Streep's perspective to having Bradley's perspective to having the other characters and where they where they sat in all this. And in the same way, Abe, where you're talking, you know, we talk about like Neville Chamberlain and Darkest Hour. You mm-hmm. look at like Bradley Whitford or Tracy Letts' characters where they're like, I don't know about this. Like and the kind right. of the way it needs to come around to that. It, that's the kind of and especially that it's you know involves the press and you know things that 
It's really very much relevant, yeah. which is very obvious. I'll be curious how this movie plays in 20 years from now when that's maybe not you know so much the thing that you kind of look at. But yeah, it just worked for me, this movie, top to bottom. I was just really a big fan of it. Now, we talked about like a little bit. I was saying about how Kaminsky's cinematography mm-hmm. gets like this cold feeling and everything. And I know you like to talk about dialogue in films. How do you feel about the dialogue in the post? I, I mean, it's... It could be a question for everyone. Uh, I'll I'll start then. I think it's I mean, I think the film is well-rounded as far as giving a lot of good actors a chance to have a rat-a-tat conversation with each other, whether Mm -hmm. it's some off the cuff stuff that Bradley's doing with some of his higher ups and, you know, teasing the interns or what and getting them to do stuff for him. Or the way Tom Hanks just barges into Kay Graham's house every night and like (laughs) needs to make another point to her or just the, the kind of the the serious minded people played by Bradley Whitford and what have you, and how they're addressing it. I think it's a well-written thing. It's from Josh, Josh Singer. Uh, well, Josh, so the, the film's written by Liz Hanna, Josh Singer, who wrote Spotlight. He came in to kind of give Spotlight. the film another path. Yeah. Spotlight. Um, <laughs> Spo- Spotlight. Spotlight. Um, but no, I think it's, I mean, the, the writing to me is quite strong. I, yeah. How about you guys? Alan, how about you? I, I, I dug it. I just, I, I don't know. It was moving fast. Like the, like the film didn't have a lot of fast moving scenes where a lot of things necessarily were happening, but the dialogue in the film helped build the tension more so than, you know, John Williams score. It was okay. It gave the dialogue gave it the sense of importance that it needed. I think for the and dialogue, with, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, keep going. Keep going. I, was, yeah, I think for the dialogue with the, what I was cutting up with getting caught up with was um, kind of the way that it would kind of domino uh, meaning that there's okay, yeah. well, there's okay. there's one guy there, and then he, somebody's gonna say something else. And it's like, you know, it's kind of predictable that you guys would write this this way. It doesn't feel natural. Um, so I didn't think it was that great. I think that there was actually, a, in terms of building attention, there is one scene that I thought was well shot and well dialogued out, and that was a scene where Jesse Owens has to ask Bob Odenkirk who his source is, and there's mm-hmm. some really good camera work there and some moments of, I guess facial acting but in whole when you have this ensemble cast um, it kind of feels like um, a lightweight Aaron Sorkin type script where you're trying to make everybody say something that has some meaning but at the same time it just doesn't feel it kind of feels more robotic than it does feel natural I can't quite go there because I, I I get what you're I get the kind of film you're describing but I didn't see that film here I can agree that there are certain lines that certainly speak to what the message of the movie is and how directly it relates to now, because the movie is most certainly reflective of now. That's why Spielberg made the movie. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they didn't feel like the, like, I mean, the movie you're describing sounds like the newsroom to me where that, that show for all the good episodes it had, it had a lot of bad ones that really just straight up said the theme right out loud in dialogue that didn't feel like Sorkin. It felt like someone aping him. And yet he mm-hmm. was the one actually He's writing that it. wrote it. Right. Yeah, so it, it it's that like Alice in Wonderland thing where it's like this this is Burton, but it feels like somebody pretending to be Burton. Um, but the the po I again I can I can see where you're coming from with that. I just didn't feel like that was prevalent throughout the film. I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, in terms of production design, uh, I agree with Anna that the production design here is incredible. I mean, there's there's um, I think that also there there's really good use of uh, color grading in this movie where everything yeah. really pops out a lot. <laughs> Like it's a lot of teals and a lot of bright yellows, and even their homes. Uh, I think Robert McNamara's house is just it's it's an all white house, but then when you go inside, there's like really vivid bright colors, and uh, it's it's really very well thought out in terms of the way that they shot it. So um, mm-hmm. 
Production so when design, I, when fantastic. I, when I saw the movie the second time, I actually started appreciating Bruce Greenwood's performance more as Robert McIntyre. I think, because I, 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 yeah, I think there is the first time I was like, all right, he looks like Robert McIntyre. He's wearing that coat. Well, <laughs> he certainly has the hairstyle down. He's he's wearing that coat just like uh, Mark Rylance wore that hat. He was on that bridge of those spies. Um, but <laughs> it's, my, it's my new favorite joke. <laughs> Mark Rylance like, being on a bridge of spies. He was on that bridge of those spies. That's why I watched Oscar. <laughs> but, you know? Uh, but no, I think Bruce Greenwood, what he's bringing to that program is like there's an there's some trickiness there as far as how to play up this guy that wants to have a certain persona but really knows how terrible things are. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I think well, some they, I mean, they give him some some leverage on that front too. I mean, they he has a line where he says basically this is an academic piece that was supposed to be read read years from now. You know, we're writing for that audience, and you know, there's there's confrontation that happens during that scene, but. Yeah, you know, to some degree, I kind of just never really felt as though they were not going to publish these things. Um, I, I, don't th- I mean, I don't think that's the drama, though. I don't think anyone's concerned about if the history is going to happen the way it happened. I think it's more of the approach to seeing these char- how these characters are are going about. I mean, you're t- I mean, you're talking about how you don't think the dialogue's in, but I do think like beyond the scene of like Clemens and Odenkirk, I think the scene of them on the phone having that big conversation mm-hmm. and like. Yeah, yes, yeah. you know it's going to get published, but I think the fact that they they're shooting it a certain way, especially to emphasize how Streep is suddenly finding is like, no, let's do this. Like we need yeah. to do this is what we need to do. I think that's really effective well, filming. Here, yeah, so this is this is kind of how this is my thinking after I left the movie too, and it was like, you know, Abe, you, you kind of didn't really like uh, Munich as much when you left it, but then it grew on you later, and I was like, I wonder if that's going to be the case with with the post here. Where it's something where it's like you know he Spielberg was actually doing a way a lot more than I originally thought that he was uh, doing, and I've grown to appreciate Munich much much more as uh, not just um, uh, it's a more look into the psychological aspect of what war would do to you, uh, regardless of which side you're on, which is fantastic. So I'm I'm curious now because you know I appreciated the Meryl, Meryl Streep aspect of the movie um, a lot, and I just I didn't I didn't really get a sense of her. You know, struggling with what she has to take on. I mean, I do, but at the same time, I didn't perhaps see it as much. So maybe given a second watch, I'll have to give it a go. But I, I honestly I, just didn't really, it just didn't really jive with me as much as it did with you guys. Three things. Uh, I, I did feel it the first time just because you, you see her right away in that first meeting where she walks in yep. and like it's all the men and she sits right down and like you, she's you, in the back a lot. she's she's in the back a lot, but you and you already know like that she knows the answers to certain questions right. and she's going to speak up, but she can't like, I just, I yep. get that. Yeah. Like, I don't, it's like, there's, there's a, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. I feel like in recent weeks, Dave, where it's like, I, I understand what you're saying. And if you flesh that out more, <laughs> that's fine. But at the same time, I know how movies work and I know how character design is like, it's, I don't need more. Like I get it from this. I, I liked her character design. I liked her character arc. I, I don't know. And there's just something there that, that kind of made me feel as though it was just missing a je ne sais quoi. Fair, fair enough. I mean, I mean, it's a subjective thing. Obviously, it's like it's something. It's something, it's something I can suddenly. No, it's not. He needs to like this. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I. But the other two things I was going to say. One, I do think Spotlight is a better movie. I can agree with you on that. Um, and it is one that stands on its own as, a, as compared to the post, where I think as good as this movie is, I think it very much works because of when it's coming out. And I'll and I will be curious to see it down the line. 
Um, and the last thing, Munich is like top five, if not top three Spielberg for me. So I have no, I mean, it's, yeah. that movie is amazing. <laughs> yeah. More people can, should recognize how great Munich is. Yeah. And I, I certainly don't want to, you know, compare, compare, uh, the post to Spotlight as much because again, Spotlight, it, it has a little bit more frills to it, meaning it has, you know, it's got Mark Ruffalo with this really long, uh, well, not really long, but he's got the monologue or feels it's very It's not much hard to compare it though. I mean, it's I agree. All right yeah. There. But yeah. when, when I'm watching something like Spotlight, I feel the, the, you know, even though I know what happens, I know the outcome because I live in the future. It's just more of, I, I certainly felt. You live in the future? Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Watch out! It's gonna be, it's gonna be one minute in the future in a minute. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where I felt really compelled by the characters. You know, these guys are digging, they're finding things out. You know, and like what we mentioned in the review for Spotlight, I didn't, I didn't see these people as actors. I kind of just saw them as, as people, and also, um, I you don't really get a sense of their lives outside of the work office. So it's very compelling on that front, discovering these things and putting them together to make this piece. And then they do have questions about, well, if we publish this, this is going to cause a really big shitstorm. And they're like, you know, we have to do it because it's the right thing to do. And that's why I think, you know, maybe down the line, this movie will resonate a little bit more because I'll see it much more as, wow, this was a really complicated and difficult time for Reynolds Shoup's character, Cat Graham. Um, and in her, it, it's kind of like a, it, it's, it's like this, this, um, it's almost like this crossroads for her. Cause you know, something happens to her husband, um, and then she has to take over the business. And then she's basically been put in the situation where is it a matter of, is it a matter of my, my, um, uh, whatchamacallit, um, my social circles versus my ethics kind of thing is like, okay, well, you know, maybe I, maybe I've missed out on a lot, on a lot of these nuances while I was just trying to get a sense of the movie. In talking about spot, I mean, there's a there's a purpose for. I mean, the personal relationships is why you have to see some of the home life of Hanks and Streep's character. You don't really learn about anybody else, really. Mm-hmm. But with Spotlight, I get it. Where it's not you, you it is. I mean, th- this movie's more of an actor showcase than Spotlight is. Where like Spotlight, I was beyond Mark Ruffalo's big monologue scene. I was curious for anybody at, nominated for an Oscar is like, well, what clip do they show? Because nobody has this kind of standout moment. Where the right. post is full of them. I get that. Like it's yeah. very much. It's more on the nose in that regard. I, I, and that's that's the separation between the films, I guess, as far as the kind of the busy work in Spotlight versus the busy work here. It's right. more about like, yeah. showcasing these actors doing this thing. But uh, I want to get to Alan and Anna again, then we got to wrap up so we can keep moving. Yep. Alan, any, any more thoughts on The Post? Uh, I think The Post is Spielberg doing the thing that he usually does, which is just showing people that are good at their job doing it well. So you, much like in Bridge of Spies and much like in Lincoln, where you have these characters that are good at their job, he is just showing these are all expert reporters, an expert editor, and they are good at their job. And this is the situation that they're in while being professionals. And I love watching that kind of stuff. Um, Once again, you just see how Spielberg just has an eye for everything because this movie doesn't have a lot of typical tension that you or like typical like ups and downs for a big Spielberg movie, but it still feels like a big Spielberg movie because the dude knows how to block. The dude knows how to put together a film. He knows exactly what he needs from his actors. He knows who to cast. It's just showing the master at work. And it's another, you know, chapter in a story. And I just, I loved it. I'm just a huge fan of it. And I think it's one of the best adult films we can get this year. As far as the Spielberg civics trilogy goes, I would say I put Lincoln at the top, then this movie, then Bridges Bridges Spies, where Mark Rylance was on that bridge of the spies. One hundred percent agree. Yeah. Anna, any uh, final thoughts? No, I think we pretty much did well. 
discussing all of that. Okay. I know you stepped I out think, for a second. So, yes, yeah. but also I, I've been going on tangents, so. Okay. Well, that's fine. And, like, I was over here, too. Like, I was paying attention to y'all, but then I also found out that dilly dilly is now a word in the the dictionary. Okay. Dilly dally? No, dilly dilly. What's dilly dilly? dilly? So, like, if you watch, like, any of the commercials, I think with Bud Light or something. The Bud Light like, commercials, yeah. Yeah, and they have a can of queen, and, like, they cheers, and they go, dilly dilly. And so now it's like it means outstanding, but like of course it's it's also worth in other places where it's like it's a horse and a carriage or other things. But here in the United States of America means outstanding. So dilly dilly. That's exact. Yeah, that's the only place that matters. See, I'm talking about the yeah. talking about that knowledge you get on this podcast, guys. We're talking about this boring Spielberg movie instead. We got two very Webster dictionaries. <laughs> okay. All right, well, people go and see the post, Alan. Now, what are you doing? Go now. I hope you sh- you're in the theater right now listening to this right before it starts. Anna? I would say you could see it in theater, but you could also watch it at home. Yeah, I think this is something that you can wait for um, when it comes out to home video. How dare you? It's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just that when I'm watching it, it wasn't as... I, the way that I, that I grade movies, I just wasn't as emotionally attached. I liked it, but I didn't love it. I think it's worth the theater to it, both because I think the movie's quite good, but also because Spielberg is making these adult dramas that are very much worth your time because they're well-acted and well-made, and you don't get many of these unless they're an indie film. So if you want a big studio-release Spielberg drama, support movies like this. Go see it in the <laughs> yes. <theater. laughs> Thank you, Aaron. You're welcome. I did. <laughs> Wait, you're not supposed to tell anybody that. <laughs> it's a screener. She didn't download it. <laughs> but I'm sure, like, seeing a theater, like, any movie, like, because then you get to see the more of it, right? The frame and everything. Like, the, I'm sure the sound of um, John Williams' score is much better than being at home. So. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. I would say, I, I would say because the movie's so indoors, I didn't mind Janis Kaminsky's cinematography as much because there wasn't like so much blown out light coming through well, every 10 seconds. The, I think there's like two scenes where I noticed, like, oh, that's a that's a Kaminsky right there. Oh, the, the, the scenes, I noticed it for sure, but yeah. I think because it was so much in interiors and offices and some houses during the day, I was like, okay, I don't have to worry too much about the Kaminsky overload. Yeah. Uh, as much as I respect him as a cinematographer, he's done some great work. Obviously, it's, it. I do. I do want. I'm curious to see Spielberg move on to another cinematographer. Is it, is it just because they have a familiarity together, or is it that? Of course, he all of the same guys. Michael Kahn's been his editor since Close Encounters. Yeah. Uh, I, he it's works good. with a lot of the same production designers, costume designers. Like he has his peeps, as he says. He in has his team. Yeah. 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 He's got. <laughs> he got. He has his peeps. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, think Spielberg threw in that Vietnam piece right at the beginning just to kind of give Kaminsky something to do and then be like, look, now I get to do the rest of this, right? I think it's like, more because Spielberg wanted to do something in Vietnam because he hasn't done that before. <laughs> like, yeah, it, that is it true, like, yeah. It seems like all the big directors that like uh, have kind of you know tackled that in some capacity. It's yeah. like, oh, I can do a Vietnam scene now, and he did. Well, by the way, that that scene in, in early on, I mean, first things first, Matthew Reese is, is dope because he basically, they're like, oh, no, that guy's observing. He's like, he basically pulls like people out from this battle they have. But also, the way that it shot, like, is this digital? I was waiting to see at the end of the movie what oh, no. cameras yeah, they shot with. Because, like, this guy. is really clear in the dark. And I was like, I don't know. If, if it was digital, then I need to know what camera they use. If it wasn't, then I was like, okay, well, you know, well done. No, yeah. Aside from Tintin, for obvious reasons, Spielberg's always a film guy. Like, yeah. he's not he's not about to switch it up. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, you mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, what do you think of Lincoln? Lincoln opens up a big battle scene in the Civil War before going into straight-up character stuff for the rest of the movie. I mean, he 
And even like Bridge of Spies has the whole spy plane sequence. Like Spielberg knows how to do action, guys. Like of course, yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah, that was he, he directed one of like the best war movies of all time. So I mean, yeah, he he knows how to have his fun. Yeah, <laughs> but okay, let's um let's move on now, guys. Let's get to let's get to uh, let's get to our uh, feedback. Feedback, 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 feedback. That was pretty good. <laughs> I appreciate that, Alan. That was spectacular. Let's, uh, this is where we go over some of the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. We ask a number of questions for you guys to give us answers to. Then you asked us some questions that we can give answers to. Uh, we have a number of questions here, uh, so I'm going to go through them. Abe as well. Here we go. First one. What historical figure would you like to see Tom Hanks play? Renee writes, Benjamin Franklin. Nathan writes, it'd be cool to see him play a villain. Andrew Jackson, maybe? <laughs> I'm not sure if that's if that... Andrew Jackson was coming after villain as like this and then this or this an example being this, but <laughs> Andrew Jackson has some questionable things that he did during his presidency, so I don't know. I, I'd like to see Tom Hanks play uh, Jebediah Springfield and also the, <laughs> and, and also the pirate. So you know both I stories. I think that'd be I'd really like fun. I'd like to see Tom Hanks play Colin Hanks growing up in the shadow. Of that Tom would Hanks. be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next question we asked, or Anna, do you have an answer for Tom Hanks? Historical figures. Historical figures. Let's see. I can't think right now. All right. If you if you if you uh, think of something, just feel free to shut it out. All right. I'm probably gonna fall asleep soon. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next question is, uh, what is your favorite Meryl Streep performance? Scott writes, The Deer Hunter. Nathan has Aunt Josephine, series of unfortunate events, hands down her finest work. Gary has The Devil Wears Prada. Adam Gentry has Doubt. She gave me goosebumps. So, I've I've already talked about this. I she's very good in the post. I honestly I put this up there. I do I like contemporary Meryl Streep performances more than kind of the wig and accent performances. So like things like Defending Your Life, which is one of my favorite movies anyway, mm-hmm. or Adaptation, where she's not playing like a figure. She's just playing like a, a version she, of herself. She actually looked like she didn't go to makeup for that set, but I was like, oh, this is cool. Well, because she's a very good actress, for obviously. Yeah. So it's like seeing her like kind of in her own elements, where she doesn't have to like do an impression, which mm-hmm. you know she could be good at doing. Like I that that tends to work for me better. Right. Uh, I'm gonna add in uh, um, Jessica Lovejoy. Uh, she's the voice of Jessica Lovejoy in that Simpsons episode. She was very good. Oh, is anybody, the, the, the reverend's daughter? Say? Yeah, the reverend's yeah. daughter, the, the one that yeah. basically uh, rips out Bart's heart, and then also you know everyone thinks that she's the lovely daughter of the reverend and she's actually just like super mean so i'm gonna say uh devil wears prada nice and death becomes her because she's great in that death becomes her is fun yeah devil wears prada yes i'm agreeing with devil wears prada and also defending your life and then i will go back with tom hanks and i'll say woodrow wilson Woodrow wilson Hmm. kept america out of war that's what he says yeah what is your favorite film about journalism or newspapers? Brandon writes Zodiac. Well, that segment of it, which was very primary. So, yeah, I mean, it's all about newspapers in that movie. Uh, Mary writes The Paper and Spotlight. Kareen writes So Far Spotlight. I was raised in Boston, but haven't seen the post yet. Manish writes Spotlight. Gary writes Ace in the Hole and The Sweet Smell of Success. Fun fact, my, my review for the post was The Post is Spielberg's Ace in the Hole. Uh, Jay writes The Hudsucker Proxy. And Philip writes Zodiac. Nice. I mean, Abe and I, we're big fans of the paper, obviously. Yeah, I, I was going to say the paper. It's super, I guess, underwatched. I don't know. People don't really bring it up whenever they talk about well, like, it's like, Ron it, Howard it movies. Came, like, it's like, well, it's like right before Apollo 13, 
and like so and it's it's less high profile than like far it was like far and away then the paper That's then true. apollo 13 right so it's like yeah this little michael keaton newspaper drama in between like a tom cruise it, block, it, but blockbuster flop and tom hanks yeah. going to space again best picture nomination yeah i mean it's i can see in why terms it's of rewatchability the paper is pretty lights out and a spotlight i can't really watch it all the time i'm just like oh this is too this kind of makes me creeped out so it's heavy it is heavy yeah heavy. spotlight or i'm sorry the paper though fun I'm going to throw a little film called Citizen Kane in there. I think that one uh, has a little... Rose bud. Bud. <laughs> and, yeah, Zodiac, I mean, is a, it's a masterpiece. All I the mean, President's Men. All the President's Men is the also a great men. one, yes. Yeah, Newsies. Newsies, yeah. Newsies. I, I think that won for Best New Show on Broadway, right? No. Uh, next question we asked everybody, what superstar movie team would you really like to see? Manish has Meryl Streep and Viola Davis, but I don't think the screen... Uh, but I think the screen would explode. I, and I had to add on his thoughts, they, they were in doubt together, <laughs> so, <laughs> which he, he said he slipped his mind at the time, but I mean, yeah, okay. And then Philip has uh, Setsuko, Hara, and Kiran Kiki, if uh, time shifting is allowed. So there you go. That's like some old school uh, Japanese actors. Mad Damon and Jesse Plemons. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's, that'd be good. Yeah. They should make a Black Mirror episode about that. Aaron or Anna? Any movies to superstar team up? I always tell you something like, wouldn't these two be good together to film? And I can't think of it right now. But Abe, you and I both have one that we've I mean, been working we, on. We're working on the script right now, so we don't need to. We don't need to, we don't need to rehash it because we don't, we don't want, want people stealing it. But you know, <laughs> again, if you think of it, just shout it out. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. What's the next question. Next question is, what's your favorite movie involving bears? Hashtag Paddington Two. Manish has Paddington. Philip has the Bad News Bears. Chris <laughs> has a comment that I love, which is Ted and the Revenant. So, you know, The Revenant, one that I didn't immediately think about, and I was like, he's, he's not wrong. I'll, uh, I'll throw The Edge in there with Alec Baldwin and, I'm gonna throw and, in, uh, and Anthony Hopkins. 1980-something's The Bear. The Bear, yeah, yep. okay. Made me cry as a kid. Oh, and I believe there's a Disney movie that you really like. Well, there's Brother Bear. Brother Bear. Brother Bear. Their bear is pretty good. Yeah. And with, uh, that, that was like, uh, that's the most, re- is that the most recent Rick Moranis performance? Um, that was like 2003. Yeah, but yeah, Rick Moranis is pretty much not doing much. Famously so yeah, known cool. for not for not doing too much, taking care of his kids. Well, it's, yeah, famously known for leaving show business because his wife died, so he's right, taking care, care of his family, kids, yeah. which <laughs> yeah. is super noble. Yeah. How is that funny? It's not funny. It's, not no, funny. it's, just... it's awesome. Oh, well, you kind of giggled. It was get, no, we got the famously known for aspect of it. Oh, right? okay, gotcha. <laughs> uh, let's keep going. Yep. Uh, what's your favorite movie heavily featuring trains? Got a lot of responses for this mm-hmm. one. Chris writes, Snowpiercer and Train to Busan. Oh, and Snakes on a Train, because why not? <laughs> uh, Tyler writes, Unstoppable. Greg writes, Train to Busan, without a doubt. David writes, Runaway Train and From Russia with Love. Great answers. Philip writes, The Darjeeling Limited. Craig writes, Y'all Forgot the Best One, Under Siege 2, colon, Dark Territory. Also. Nice. Uh, George writes, Source Code. Jay writes, The Lady Vanishes. Christine writes, Silver Streak. It's the Gene Wilder and uh, Richard Pryor movie. And Gary writes, Strangers on a Train. Uh, yeah, my <laughs> Strangers on a Train is easily one of my tops. Um, uh, the, take, the Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, mm-hmm. the original, of course, with Walter Matthau and uh, Richard, uh, Robert Shaw. Um, there's a lot of great train movies. <laughs> Ocean's commercial. 12. Ocean's, <laughs> there's a train in Ocean's <laughs> 12, that's true. Uh, From Russia with Love is a great one, too. Um, Unstoppable is a lot of fun. Tony Scott's last movie. It's a lot. That's a good movie. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's on the. Is that is that with Chris Pine or is that? It's a, yeah, Denzel and Chris Pine. Okay, 
And Pelham one two three is John Travolta. Well, that's the the, re- the the Tony Scott remake is John Travolta and Denzel. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I because Denzel's in both, and I always forget who the co-star is. Yeah, Tony Tony Scott didn't get, get to complete his train trilogy with Denzel. It was unfortunate. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, by the way, I love that question because there was a, an exchange between Farron and Chris, and I was like, "This is awesome! I love when fans interact with each other." Um, now we move to questions for the panel. The question from Philip today is. What is your favorite movie you saw for the first time in 2017 that didn't come out this year? That's or, a great question. Yeah. That's a fun, that's a fun like, question. You know, so movie... Yeah, that, that's a question that I haven't actually thought about. But so, Life Aquatic. You just saw you that last saw year? You never saw Life Aquatic before? Nope, I just saw it for the first wow, time this year. Wow, nice. And you I liked, liked it? it? I did. It's, it's my favorite Wes Anderson movie. So, it's yes, good. I, yeah. yeah, I am a fan. Um, so because I get to you know review a lot of Blu-rays and whatnot, yeah. I am before the chance to see a lot of movies that I haven't necessarily seen before. So the Criterion certainly helped with that. But another movie that came out last year was Lost Horizon um, in the 80th anniversary edition. This is an old, this is a 1937 Frank Capra film um, about about a, a group of people that get that get like, their plane crashes and they find their way to Shangri La. Mm-hmm. Oh um, wow! And it is a, it is a neat story. It's well filmed. It's like this kind of it's like a dramatic adventure movie where you kind of, and the people there, they basically explore what, because when you go to Shrank Rula, you essentially, you stop aging. You age very slowly. Mm-hmm. That's like the whole problem. And so it's exploring the idea of what it means to live forever uh, versus if you left and what would happen then. And there's some really neat stuff in it. It's really well filmed. What's it called? Uh, the Lost Lost Horizon. Lost Horizon. And like, and it was famous, so it was famously edited at the time. It was edited down from like like a, lo- a much longer cut, so they've been slowly restoring it. So they restored two seconds of fo- or two minutes of footage to this new edition of it. And there's a lot of inserts of like just like they so they couldn't like completely restore it, so they have like images from parts of the film, but they have the whole audio track, so they play the audio over said scenes. It's really neat. Like Interesting. It's, it's a neat thing. This poster looks like something Thanks out of Bioshock. Uh, Bioshock uh, the third one. What, what's that? It, no, I mean there you can you can see certain Bioshock influence. Infinite. I mean, yeah, yeah, but yeah, there's some key influences that this movie had on a lot of films I can pick, I picked up from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other ones that came to Criterion, well, one in particular, uh, Le Argent. This is a Robert Bresson film. Um, oh, I like that. It's it's about this um, basically someone makes a counterfeit bill and you just follow that bill as it gets passed pass between people and causes That's a lot of problems. Pretty clever idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's his. La- it was his last film, I believe. Robert Bresson. It's like from 1980. Um, what was that called? Another uh, Le Argent. Uh, Le Ar- so L apostrophe Argent. Um, and the last one is Mildred Pierce, um, the Michael Curtiz film. Michael Curtiz of Casablanca fame with uh, Joan Crawford, the film that won her an Oscar. Um, it's just this. It's like a noir and a woman's picture, like a drama involving a you know uh, Joan Joan Crawford as a lead character. And uh, Anna and I watched this together. Uh, very good movie. I mean, it, I mean, it's on Criterion Collection. It should be, but again, it's just it, it is neat to. I, I do try to catch up. I've seen tons of movies, but it is neat to catch up with ones that you know I haven't been afforded the chance to, thanks yeah. to new restorations or what have you. So yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, I, that's a, that's a good question, Phil. I don't have an answer keep... for you, Phil. But I have to go. I, I I largely don't keep running lists of what I'm watching throughout the year, but now it feels like I have to. So, you should. I know. You watch yeah. enough movies, it's good to you know keep track. <laughs> So, good question, Philip, and also thanks for giving me more homework. <laughs> All right. Well, no, that was that be was back, feedback. Be back, be back. <laughs> be back. Let's <laughs> uh, let's move on now to. Um, oh, Aaron, I think it might be time for a quick game here.
Let her know that that's actually the the music that plays when they're finished printing papers at a newspaper factory. (laughs) Yeah, that is, of course, the improv theme for games. And I have a game for you guys this week. Uh It is called Amblin Tags. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, dear. SpaghettiOs. Amblin Tags is where I read taglines from Steven Spielberg films, and you have to guess what film I am referring to. Okay. Anna, are you going to be playing this game? I want to, but I'm getting sleepy. Well, if you feel you know the answer, you can shout your name up before the other guys. Go for it. Okay, so you guys are gonna shout out the an- shout out your name first if you think you know the answer. Got it? Let's do it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Here's the first one. When the beach is open this summer, you will be taken. Alan. Alan. Jaws. Jaws is the correct answer. Damn, I was thinking of the Jaws two tagline. That's just when you thought it was line. safe to come back into the water or whatever the case. Yeah, was. that's that's not a Steven Spielberg film. So I know. I, I know. That's why. That's why I was like, wait, this is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right here's the next one okay obviously i'm, I'm not necessarily going to choose most of some of the more obvious steven spielberg films to make this game a little challenging oh boo here we go freedom is not given it is our right at birth but there are some moments when it must be taken uh alan i heard anna okay it is not schindler's list uh, alan alan <laughs> Minority Report? It is not Minority Report. Wow. Can, I, can I have a repeating? Ape of the Steel. Can I have okay. a repeat? Freedom is not given. It is our right at birth, but there are some moments when it must be taken. Lincoln? It is The, the answer is Amistad. Uh, oh. We were circling around. Here's, here's the next one. Okay. The world is more giant than you can imagine. Mm. Alan. Alan? BFG. The BFT is the correct answer. I, I was like, Jack and the Giant one. Beanstalk? <laughs> Here's the next one. This is fun, but... His Adventure on Earth. E.T. Anna. Anna? E.T. E. is the correct <laughs> oh, answer. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Here's the next one. Everybody runs. Hey. Alan. Alan. Minority Report. It is Minority Report. Whew, wow, that's quick. Okay. I don't know it too. Just saying. She was saying, okay. it, saying it lower. I said it low, but I didn't say my name, so I was like. Here's the next one. If Adventure has a name, it must be Indiana Alan? Jones. Oh, man. Uh oh. Alan? Alan? Temple of Doom. Temple Indiana of Doom, Doom is the correct answer. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Alan for the win. He's going to win this game. I know he's running away with it. I'm not bad at these games. <laughs> Well, here's the next one. Okay, let's do it. Separated by war, tested by battle, bound by friendship. Hmm. Abe. Abe? Empire of the Sun. Oh, Alan. Yeah. Abe, what'd you say? Empire of the Sun. Incorrect. War. Anna? Alan. It's War Horse. It's War Horse. Well, yeah, that's I was going to say Bridge of Spies, so I would have been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what happened in that movie? Mark Randles is on that Bridge of the Spies. He won an Academy Award for it. Mac McNamara coat. I hope Hook is in here. Is Hook in We'll see. Okay. <laughs> it's about life. It's about love. It's about us. Alan? Hmm. Alan? The color purple? The color purple is the correct oh. answer. Oh, <laughs> Good job. Can you say that one again? It's about life. It's about love. It's about us. Huh. Here's the, next 2020. Here's the next one. They're already here. Alan. Alan? War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Dang, Alan killed in this game. 
Yeah, Spielberg's got a few good ones in him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. I'm not a huge. <laughs> I like most of it. Um, here's the next one. To survive in a world at war, he must find strength greater than all the events that surround him. Alan. Alan. Oh shit! Is it Schindler's List? Incorrect. Fuck. Okay. Oh, dude, I'm dumb. Okay. <laughs> Abe, for the steal. Can I get a repeat? To survive in a world at war, he must find a strength greater than all the events that surround him. Uh, Abe Lincoln. In- incorrect. <laughs> uh-huh. It's in- no, it is Empire of the Sun. Uh, damn it! Yeah, <laughs> yeah see? See? I- that was a movie that was 1987 when I was born. Christian yes. Bale. Here's the next one. Two more. Okay. This is baby Paranoia bear. meets pandemonium. Mm. Paranoia meets pandemonium. Mm. Abe? No. Abe? Never mind. I take that back. Okay. I don't want to get a negative points here. Paranoia meets Paranoia. pandemonium. I don't know. Alan. Alan? 1941? 1941 is the correct Dang! Answer. I was like, what could it be? What could it be? Here's the last one. Okay. Something has survived. Alan. Abe. Alan. Uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World. I'll, I'll accept I was going to say, are you going to accept that title? <laughs> it is The, the Lost World, World Jurassic Park. Park. Yeah, I'll sorry. Take it. It's all right. Now let me count these oh, Why do you here. need to count it? <laughs> no, 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 I'm curious. Was it close? Was it nail biter? Well, what, no, what I do, what I know is that Abe got third place. <laughs> Anna, you get a terrific role in second place. And Alan, you did run away with this game in first place. Boom. How many? How many? 42. You got a lot. You got 42. a lot. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. A lot. Good Sweet. job. Good job. Sweet. So There's a nail biter. Hey, it was real close between them. Tim's tagline was it wasn't good. It wasn't a good tagline. It didn't it didn't fit. Was that the tagline? It wasn't good. It doesn't fit. No, because Tintin's awesome. Uh, but it was like something like it was something too generic. It was just like the adventure begins or something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that was a good game because I like taglines, but I it's wish a I fun was... game. Yeah. Okay. But it was fun. Good. Well, that's how you play Amblin tags. <laughs> Amblin tags. Thank Amblin you. Tags. Good game, Mary. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on now. Let's get to uh, out. Let's get to out now. Potential out now. These movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. We got a few here. First up, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, I see it. It's a good one. Well, that was that was good. I forgot to mention that was part of my my eleventh uh, or whatever. Actually, I don't. I can't remember if I did or not, but it's on there. I believe you did. We said runner ups. Okay. You edited that show. You should know. Um, Forty nine. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Loving Vincent. I heard that acclaimed, was. I heard that was cool. Yeah, the acclaimed animated film that going over like the last day last days of Vincent Van Gogh. I mm-hmm. Anna and I are very interested in seeing it. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to soon. Uh, let's see. Happy Death Day. Uh, I thought it was fun enough. Uh, I don't think Aaron liked it that much. I I, I was like right in the middle on it. Where it's like okay. I, did, I didn't quite recommend it, but I do think it it has good stuff in it. I just don't think it sustained it throughout the entire movie. Understood. Um, speaking of not good, The Snowman, my worst film of last year. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see to see how bad it is. Maybe I'll turn it off in you don't, a minute. You can spend like, time watching many good movies this is true. and never this seeing is The true. Snowman. Let me see that. <laughs> is that any better? I would not say Jack Frost is any better. <laughs> Jack Frost with Michael Keaton? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> As Harmonica Snowman? 
Next up is Beyond Skyline. I mentioned this a few weeks is ago that the, it just came out. Yeah, is this the this, sequel to Skyline? It's the sequel to Skyline that stars Frank Grillo and Iko Uis from the raid. From the raid. Yeah. And I've heard it's pretty good for what okay. it is. Like I heard it's a good. I mean, it's got two people that I enjoy in movies. So if Frank, if Iko Uis is gonna you know mess people up like he does in the raid movies, I'm all for seeing that and yeah. him doing it with aliens like that. So uh, let's see what else. Better Call Saul season three. Bob that is Odenkirk. a terrific season of television. Yeah, so, yeah. Great, great actor, Bob Odenkirk, and funny writer. Let's see. I, Daniel Blake, is that on Criterion this week? This film won the, I would think, believe it won the Palme d'Or a few years ago. It was in theaters last year. Now it has a Criterion release this year. Um, it is quite good. I heard you might need some tissues. It's got some, it's got some heavy moments. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And lastly, I, I noticed this out on Mill Creek, this the production company Mill Creek, SWAT. Is back on Blu-ray in a new SWAT movie. with Colin Farrell or Colin yes. Farrell, Sam Jackson, Lello Cool J, Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Renner, yeah, Josh Charles. Jo- Josh Charles takes himself out. <laughs> yeah, you're the SWAT, or you're not. <laughs> and that's been on our list of commentaries to do like since the beginning. Hundred million dollars, baby. <laughs> One hundred million dollars. I mean, which crime lord would give a hundred million dollars to be bailed out? I mean, that's a lot of. That's a lot of. A crime he lord must, has more he's than successful. Yeah, he must have like a billion dollars. If I was a crime lord going to prison and I had two hundred million dollars, I would give away half of it to not go to, to prison. To, to get, yeah, yeah, getting out. Yeah. One hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't just say it softly. He yells it. Next up here is extremely cool. There's things that are now on Netflix. Um, I, I, actually, there, there's something on Prime too. The the Philip okay. K. Dick one. I don't know what is it. Oh, like uh, Dream do, yeah, 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 yeah. It's basically. Um, oh man, I can't remember the title of it, but yeah. See, like Steve Buscemi drives around getting like tripped out by things because that's what it seems like in the trailer. Uh, no, isn't it like a whole bunch of uh, of um, anthology stories? Uh, yes, but I mean, I mainly see Steve Buscemi. And oh, Brian I see what you're saying. It's so, called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? What? Wait, what? So it's Blade Runner. Wait, that's no, not it. no, no, that's no, it's not like it. a, it, no. It's, it's like electric something. Like, yeah, I can't remember. I'll, I'll okay, check it out later. Thank you. Do that. Uh, but yeah, that's on Prime this week and on Netflix. There's two things. There's two things I wanted to point out for sure. One is the Polk King. This is a oh, new yeah. Jack Black film where it's like it's based off a true story. I'll get back to that in a second. Where it's like a crime comedy about this guy who does polka and like tries to do some kind of robbery. And also on Netflix is the Man Who Would Be Polka King, which is the do- the 2009 documentary about the person Jack Black is playing. Hmm. So I put that I put that on my queue because I thought Anna and I could watch both of these back to back because I'd be I'm very curious about this. You know, this. I like polka music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it's called uh, Electric Dreams. Electric Dreams. Okay. Yeah. And By the way, that, that all that polka stuff, you know, I've been seeing a lot of it on my radar as well. And the only thing I can think uh-huh. of is, you know, what John Candy was the polka king in the Midwest and Home Alone. So I'm kind of bummed <laughs> out that he wasn't able <laughs> to yes, do these yes. things. You know, yes. Tamaguchi polka. You know, he's. Do you want me to add? Do you want me to add something yes. about polka music yes. to what? show people that they're learning something? Uh-huh. Polka was brought to Texas by a lot of the German folk. Polka is the inspiration and the basis for mariachi music and that Mexican is culture. True. Boom. Boom. That's true. Boom. Learn it. This is a Learn free podcast. High five, Alan. This is a high education episode, guys. That is so true. <laughs> yes. we, like my family talked about that. Polka, like, polka, 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 polka. Also on Netflix this week is a show called Please Feed Phil. It's it's, so it, it's it's from the the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond. He has this like documentary series where he's gone to different countries and like goes eating various exotic foods, much like okay. any like an Anthony Bourdain or whatnot, but with this personality, I guess. 
Okay. It sounds great. To me. It, it looks entertaining. I mean, like going by the off the uh, off if, the preview of it. If I could have a career where I'm going around different countries and eating food, I'd be super happy. Aaron, I'm what happy are you doing? Now. I mean, you guys should be doing this then. The if tri- you want to get the more trip to, yeah, the... <laughs> <laughs> Aaron and Anna want to go places and eat food. <laughs> the trip to wherever inter intercountry here. Yeah, yeah Alan beat me to it because I was like, I wasn't just joking about polka music, liking it because it does mariachi so that's that's extremely cool next week's show next week abe i was thinking we could do the phantom thread i would love to do that because i haven't seen it yet and i'm kind of bummed out because everyone's been giving me pretty good reviews and i'm like why is it not playing at more theaters around me it's playing at one theater near me right now and that's that's kind of far as away away well, yeah, it spread a little wider this week. I think it might spread a little bit wider next week, but we'll see. But I think the Phantom Thread will be our main review. Yeah. Maybe we maybe we can do Molly's game if you don't get to see Phantom Thread. We can figure that out. Okay. Um, I know Twelve Strong also comes out, but I I think Phantom Thread or Molly's game. I think Phantom Thread in particular. I think I'd like to talk about that movie. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully Anna and I will get a chance to see it because I've seen it, but I'd like to see it again if we could. And <laughs> she'd like to see it for sure. I'm cool. intrigued by the title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And uh, last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Alan, what should people see in theaters right now? The Post. What do you see next? The next thing I'm probably going to go see, probably Phantom Thread, if it comes to me out here. We lost one of the art house theaters that we have, so we're down to like two, and I'm real bummed about it. I put it up on my Instagram. I was very sad, so we'll see. Anna, what should people see in theaters right now? They should go see Coco and or Star Wars colon The Last Jedi. Thank you for Thank the full you. title. Very full welcome. titles, yes. yes. What do you see in next? Which one? Yeah, prob- I don't know, because it's whatever I'm seeing with you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll probably either like 12 Strong or Phantom Thread. Okay, there we go. Thank uh, you for Or the me. sheep she's about to sleep see when she goes to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Abe? Go see Later Bird. Um, and then next, Phantom Thread. Yeah, I have Star Wars, The Post, The Shape of Water, Darkest Hour. There's a lot of good things out right now, guys. Yeah, so. there's a ton of great stuff out. Coco uh, still and, playing. And, on, and next week I'm seeing uh, Maze Runner colon The Death Cure oh, in Oh, wow, IMAX. nice. Yeah, which is... Finally get to see the, our, uh, the, yeah, the last chapter. Yeah, and that'll be our review, I guess, the week after next. Can't wait. I, I'm, I'm I literally can't... Yeah, no, I, I'm not even joking when I say I can't wait, because yeah. I kind of want to see how old these people are now, but also <laughs> I kind of like the Maze Runner. Yeah, we like the first one. The second one's not great, but like the action in the series has been very good. I and just want to know what's like going action. on. <laughs> so what? what? What was the verdict on the Scorch trial? It's not it's all right. Yeah, yeah it's was, it, right. was he gu- no? Was he guilty or no? <laughs> <laughs> no, there, it, there wasn't a that was trial. A good one, Alan. Good one. It was, it was just a character named Scorch Trials. That was it. Was really crazy. <laughs> He's just really sorry God about a lot of things. It. <laughs> Got it. Like Fred Misdemeanor. He didn't commit a crime. It just happens to be his name. Yeah. Are you, there's no kidding. There's no character named the Scorch Trials. <laughs> like, there's no way there's someone named, like, I mean, that'd be an interesting character name. No, but, but, I, but I find it because, I mean, we like the Maze Runner, Abe, and I think what yeah, I we what we like about that, the director, Wes Ball, he has a good eye for action. I, like, I, think, yeah. I, I was intrigued because I know he came off of, like, short films. He did one in particular that's online where it's, like, this, like, sci-fi motorcycle chase thing. That was pretty cool. It's like, okay. And watch the movie. It's like, oh, this like I. I think what we liked about Maze Runner is that it was pretty no. We talked about this before for the post. It's pretty no frills. It just yeah. kind of gets to the point. It throws you right in there. It was, it was also ma- during that time where where uh, Allegiant and Diversion and all that stuff was coming out. It was like, well, this is very you know, it, it's very uh, 
print and print and post kind of type movie for YA novels. And Maze Runner uh-huh. surprisingly was like, oh whoa, there seems like they're taking some chances here, and these kids are dying in this in this arena. This is awesome. It's got it's got friend of the show Will Poulter, friend of the show because I know. Is he a friend of the show now? Okay, <laughs> all right. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Did, but, uh, did, no, did it, you guys it, pitch him our idea yet? <laughs> oh, I well, he wasn't involved yet when we had that. That's um, right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like I, I I am more curious than I thought I would be about the next Maze Runner, mainly because it looks like it's ripping off Mag, Mad Max. It's like what? Well, that's a good thing. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? All right, that's enough Maze Runner talk. We got a lot of good tangents, and I, I like this I episode. So. This is a good episode. It was. <laughs> It's a good one. Save it for the, in the bank. Put it in the bank, guys. We got this one. <laughs> so that, with that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now, There and Name. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find my written movie reviews over at Wise the Blue. You can also find me writing on We Live Entertainment. And you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Find more fun stuff over uh, Oakley Dougley on Instagram and also twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag the Vikings might go to the championship. <laughs> Alan Aguilera, where can people find more of your work online? <laughs> work. Um, you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> You can find me on Instagram at uh, A-L-D-O-R-A-Y-N-E. If, you know, well, you can find my Twitter, but it's mostly just me retweeting that I'm on this. Um, that's uh, Mr. Aldo Rain, so M-R-A-L-D-O-R-A-Y-N-E. Anna Bosch, we're going to be find more of your work. No, that's the work thing is cracking me up because <laughs> we're not writing about movies. We're just watching them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> However, it's like I've been trying to start up like, with Aaron, it was like, look up, like, websites, because when I was in grad school for creative writing, like, they encouraged us to make a website, and it never really did, so hopefully, maybe I'll do 2018 that. goals! Hashtag! Who knows? I'm more of a journal person, writing with a pen or pencil, yeah. but you can follow me on Twitter if you want, at Write to Recite. Alright, alright. <laughs> That's me. Thank you. You can find more, you can find all the other episodes out, out there in the over on iTunes, as well as an uh, audio boom. Listen to us over at HGWD, uh, SoundCloud, and Podomatic. Feel free to email us <laughs> at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Anything you might have want to ask us about today's episode, what we talked about, what have you. You can also write on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, send us plenty of gifts of Tom Hanks doing something really dramatic over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com, the place for Tom Hanks gifts, and, of course, sending Abe clowns. I'll send you the music video he's in for that. Send in the clowns. <laughs> you know he's in a music video? Who, Tom Hanks? Yeah. Which music video? I don't know, but I was at the bowling alley once on Pendleton. You know how they have the, the music video screens yeah. now? Like, like, like an older video or no, a newer? It's, so when, it's probably like fairly recent, maybe two years now or something. Do you think it's for his kid? Like one of his kids is like a rapper. I'm gonna yeah. have to like Google it, but like I don't think he's very much involved in uh, in uh, what's his name, um, his other son's rap Chet? career. Chet Hanks. Chet, yeah, Chet, yeah. Uh, Chad, like Hayes or something like that. Yeah, he's never. got like a stage name. Yeah. I wish yeah. I'd known what song it is, but when I do, I'll just post it on this. Uh, what do you call it? On the podcast. Podcast. Thank you. But, like <laughs> I just looked, I was like. That's a bull. I'm like, that's Tom Hanks. Why is he in a music video? <laughs> I here's a side story. As we wrap up the show, I was standing with David Bax, friend of the show. David uh, yes, yeah. Uh, we were both presenting the Edgar Wright Award at the the uh, the award show, and Jordan Peele was walking in, and he wa- he walked by us, and I looked, I, I whispered over to David, I said, that was Tom Hanks. And I made him laugh, so. <laughs> hey, um, no, Tom Hanks is the the Carly Rae Jepsen. I really like you. Oh, video. Oh, yeah. did I know that? Just Googled yeah. it myself. <laughs> that hangs. He, he gets around, does all kinds of things, all kinds of charity. Apparently, so. Yeah. With all that said.
Thank you to both Anna and Alan for joining us this evening on this show. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Thank you, as always. It's always a fun and pleasure. <laughs> it, no, it's great. It's been a, it's been a fun show for sure. Thanks to my mom again for joining on for my, a mom's movie corner. Thanks, mom's mom. Movie, mom's Thanks, mom. Movie. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for this week's episode. Until next time, we talk about how phantom those threads just may be. That's gonna do it for this week's show. So until then, so long and goodbye. Uh, Charleston is routinely known as one of the best food cities in America. Mm. Especially if you enjoy speaking my language. I'm I'm sure Guy Fieri has been there many times. (laughs) Fieri? Why did you say that? Guy Fieri. I didn't didn't realize that's the way that his... That's uh, that's his godfather name. Guy Guy Fieri. Fieri. Hmm. Let's replace him with a trailer for the post. Can I ask you a hypothetical question? (laughs) Not yet. Yet. (laughs) <laughs> let's uh let's um yeah um I, let's, let's, I, let's let's go let's do it let's uh let's do it let's go let's do it let's do it let's do it oh thank you for your frankness you don't uh, know nixon he's a son of a bitch <laughs> now let's see here the post is never going to be allowed in here again nobody don't don't, don't tell anyone about this don't be <laughs> i start shaking my head violently yeah there's All just right. like a bunch of dog slobber coming out you live in the future? <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's very fun, very exciting, very tangent-heavy episode of Out Now with Aaron Abe. You can find... We did all we that. We already did all that. <laughs> we did all that. But that brings us to an end. So until next time, when we see just how phantom-like these threads are, or whatever we end up record- doing, we'll probably be phantom thread. Yeah. That's going to do it for this episode. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. Thanks for Adios. having Of course, yes. Thank you. To, um, Sorry. All the special guests. Thanks, guys. Alan and myself. That's me. It's all what? <laughs> and a live mom's movie minute. <laughs> and of course, okay. Let me, let me, let's do that all again. Let me do that. <laughs> because we got some tangents and we got a little away from it. Let me do it again. Here we go. Oh my gosh. Here, drink some water because you're kind of. That's also not helping. Yeah. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> okay. That's going to do it for this week's show. No, we did all that part. We'll just get through the okay. thank yous. Thank you both. <laughs> Anna and Alan for joining us this evening. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, do it again, do it again, do it again. Okay. That was so bad, because, like, oh. then... Just that was good. We like... should keep the original. I like the original better. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do well, you when, you, when you listen back to it, let me know, because... Like, I'll, I'll find it in the editing. We're okay. both like, thank you, yeah, thanks. Because we're trying, like, not... Yeah, it was, like, way more energy in the first one. <laughs> so and then I, I might just leave it all in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs>